All right, once again. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Question. Yeah, what do you want? Looks like a frying pan and some eggs to me. <laughs> hey, Spence, that's Primba. No one understood him. No one could control him. Look, that one of them now. But now, it's only the beginning. Hear you. The beginning of the end for Freddy. Oh, do you think I'm your daddy? The final nightmare. You ready, boy, boy? It's time to take your medicine. <laughs> yeah, <wonderful> <laughs> dead. The final nightmare. What's with kids today, huh? Welcome to 100 Lunatics, the podcast where we examine horrors, legendary <laughs> lunatics, from birth to death, <laughs> to inevitable remake. Guys, I'm, I'm having a really time, really hard time getting into this because I'm sad. I'm sad that Freddy's dead. Freddy's actually dead. It's the final, final nightmare. And I don't know if I like the way that he died. Seriously, that's the intro? You're doing it all melancholy? Yeah, that's oh. true. Where's my goddamn intro? What are we going to do now? <laughs> you don't have an intro. Nobody has an intro. Yeah, okay. No, no, here's this, the intro. This is less mm-hmm. of a podcast as it is more of a eulogy. Hey, guys. I'm your host of horror, Daniel. <laughs> and uh, filling out my roundtable tonight is, of course, my horror-hating cousin, Nathan. Hey. My good friend, Jonathan. <laughs> Hi. And this wonderful woman, Jasmine. Hey. So it's nice. All Everyone is a little bit sad today. Totally a little bit do. sad. Totally. To be we're, done with Freddy. We're now mourning Freddy's death. I'm just sad because it's the first day of a new year. <laughs> it is, and we started off with Freddy's death. <laughs> this is, yeah, we've already cursed this entire year. And of course, we're talking about Freddy's dead, the final nightmare. We've dropped the Nightmare on Elm Street moniker. That's gone. So it already feels different from the other ones just because of that. Th- this movie... Yeah. This movie just makes me want to cut myself like a 20-year-old Fred Krueger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's 1991. So this is, between the two franchises that we've been going back and forth on, this is our first movie to dip into the 90s. Mm. Can we feel it in the movie? Or yeah. is it still trailing off the, the back end of the 80s? Well, there's part of it that seems like it's still grasping into the late 80s, but it seems overall a lot less radical. Yeah, to me, there's a shift in the schlock. The schlock feels a little bit different now that we're in the 90s. I I divide the 90s into two halves. Yeah. The first first half of the 90s is where the 90s, 90 to 95, 1994, really. There was a lot of time spent uh, shaking off the ridiculousness that was the 80s. Yeah. The 95 to 99 was kind of the, the real 90s, you know. Mm-hmm. Where their thick shoulder pads are making their way towards the very, very shiny 2000s. You know, Kurt Cobain's killing himself. Uh, what else? I think that was about it, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, it's Kurt Cobain killing himself and the Oklahoma City bombing. That was the end. Yep. <clears throat> oh, yeah, the, the Oklahoma end. City bombing. I forgot about that. Um, this did anybody else? Okay, to me, watching this, especially watching it so many times back to back in such a short amount of time, <laughs> I think the series just got hijacked by the Dare program. It seemed like it did, right? There there's, was a lot of references to it. There yeah, was, there's this movie is very anti-drug, yeah. right? And there was a dare sticker. Yeah, okay, it was movie. the '90s. That was what was happening. Like the '80s is over. No more drugs. Anybody? No more fun. Mm-hmm. Trying to be serious. The cocaine decade. really did a number on us. Yeah, yeah. There was a cocaine problem after yeah. the '80s. I mean, Everyone's so, in rehab now. So much so that one of the troubled youths needed to specify that he wanted coke and the soda. Yeah, the yeah. soda, the drink. Which, yeah. And well, it's like a detention center, so that would make sense. Asking a cop for drugs. Of course, I don't mean drugs. Ah. And marijuana is villainized in this is movie. It? Yeah. Because it seemed like Spence had a lot more fun than anybody else. Yeah, but they're like fucking stoner, and he's all fried. He's too fried to wake up. <laughs> too fried to wake up. That's all they do is they get stoned and they play video games. Video games will kill you. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Drugs will kill you. Video games will kill you. And And that's like that's like Daniel's thing is smoking weed and playing video games. So he like immediately gets defensive, right? Mm -hmm. Like whoa, whoa! I feel like I'm getting attacked here. But whoa, whoa, whoa! This has got to be this. This is hijacked by some sort of program. No, it's not hijacked by a program. They didn't fund the fucking movie. Come on, buddy. Come on, bring it back to center. Speaking speaking of funding the movie, this is the first one in the series where I've noticed just absolute blatant product placement. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, they they ask for a Coke. There is a working Pepsi machine in the doctor's area mm-hmm. that he walks by. Freddie does a lot of Nintendo references. Yeah, lots, of lots Nintendo. of those. Yep. I mean, power glove, real big in '91. Maybe I had a power glove when I was a kid. It never worked, but <laughs> I had one. I mean, how um, how much product placement really went on prior mm-hmm. to the '90s? Anyway, do we know that? Do we have any? Do we have any stats on that, Jonathan? Can you bring up the stats, please? Mm-hmm. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, I mean, it was like the '80s and '90s where uh, marketing firms realized that teens had tons of money to spend. Yeah, and so they were just marketing straight to the teens as opposed to the parents. It's like instead of "Hey, mom and dad, buy your kid this shit," it's "Hey, kid, bug the fuck out of your mom and dad until they buy you this shit." Right, and that's to me that's how this movie feels in particular is that there's. Because kids got so, uh, they fell in love with Freddy Krueger so much, instead of keeping it this dark slasher horror movie, it just became this like mentor figure to kids. Like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, don't do drugs or I'm going to come kill you like you're in a video <laughs> game. You know, like it's, there's a big lecture going on in Freddy's Dead. And uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting completely though that on board. You... I love this movie. <laughs> you... That you only see that lecture or are harping on the lecture because you are made to be defensive by that lecture. But I, I think it's very appropriate that Freddie becomes a lecturer in this movie because we find out he's a parent. He is indeed a parent. Yep. He doesn't lecture anyone about parenting. No, no, no. He just has that. He is a sure parent. So the movie that has he's more a of a lecture terrible feed. parent. He's a terrible person. <clears throat> His childhood was... I guess they're trying to blame it on his childhood and say there's a reason why he is the way he is, but... 
He's a great parent. He teaches his little daughter not to go into places she's not supposed to go, and he teaches his wife not to go into places she's not supposed to go. Yeah. This movie was so good. It was really good. And come on, you can get on board with this. Like you're not you're just arguing with me just to argue. Like Freddie has been hijacked and has been hijacked for a while. All the marketing spiels that he has to do and talking about his movies oh, outside of his well, that, movies. That, that video you sent me was obviously hijacked marketing, but it was hijacked marketing for the purposes of the movie. What right. you're suggesting, you're trying to blend it's, it's that in with kids. some sort of diatribe about not doing drugs, which That's is either is. either they're pandering to the MPAA, and it's not a it's not a dare influence thing. They're just pandering to the ratings board trying to get the movie a, a broader audience which is just generic marketing it's not it's just uh it's not that lecturing it's just kind of underhanded because they're trying to broaden the audience that's all yeah but that is what's happening like you were like like jonathan's uh fiance came over and watched this movie with us because when she was a kid her aunt mom her mom took her to the freddy's dead in the theaters to watch it together and there's no one doing that for Jason movies. People didn't, parents didn't take their kids to a Jason movie to like keep them busy. Just with Freddy Krueger movies, because at this point, that's what they'd become just big, like not scary, not Wait, all that violent, so because, big because, lecture pieces to keep children busy. Yeah. So, because Jonathan's fiance's um, parental guardian yes. took her to see Freddy, that's. A normal thing that occurred just yes. because that happened. So you're using that as an example and, and and an excuse to generalize that everybody ushered their children out to see Freddy's Dead when it came out. Exactly. Well, <laughs> no, I'm not taking that leap with you. Sorry, it's not a leap. Let's talk about what else is different. <laughs> uh, it's the first '90s movie. It's directed by a woman. Yeah, you've mentioned Rachel. that a few different times to me like it's a huge deal and I don't know if that is really that big of a deal Rachel Talele yeah. well maybe because alright <laughs> she rejected two different versions of this film before she got down in it and helped write the story to make this version so this is the best version that she said helped save the film now first really makes me wonder what she turned down first they went to Peter Jackson Oh, you're kidding me. Peter Jackson wrote an entire treatment for this movie in which Freddy had become so weakened that he had become a joke and that teenagers started having drug slumber parties where they would purposely put themselves into the nightmare realm and go and, like, beat up Freddy and, like, fuck with him until he, like, does something where he regains his power and then just unleashes hell on them. I want to see that movie, right? I want to see that one. That one sounds awesome. Is that script online? Can we read it? Maybe. I don't know. Either way, they didn't like it. They shut. They just turned it down immediately. Oh, man. They've got to be kicking themselves now. Yeah. So then they came back. Can you imagine all the marketing they could be doing now? Of course. It's like, oh, this one's directed by Peter Jackson. Mm -hmm. If you look hard enough, you can see Frodo. Yeah. And and he did. Peter Jackson did Dead Alive, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Yeah. So, like, the second treatment was they were going to take Alice and Jacob and continue with that story from Jim, from the Dream Child, remember? Mm-hmm. And it was going to be called The Dream Lover. They should have called it Dream Weaver, though. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dream Weaver, I believe you can get me through the night. <laughs> and so, yeah, baby. So all those got turned down in favor of this, which has nothing to do... Jacob got further and further written out of the script until he was written out entirely, and then we got left with John Doe. Yep. Perfect. 
Yeah, perfect. So. Even starts with like, let me just give you a little storyline of how this starts ten years in the future, and mm-hmm. everyone's dead. So basically, we arrived at the best possible version of the movie. This is the script that saved the film and allowed the woman director, which is what Daniel's implying here, to <laughs> ruin Freddy and use it as a message against drugs. Ruin. And and provide a nice safe place for Jonathan's fiance to go with it with her parental guardian to watch a wholesome um, f- Freddy movie in the theater. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's stop harping <laughs> on the fact that she's a woman and let's take a look at her other bodies of work. Right, Tank Girl. Mm. Oh, nice. Love Tank Girl. Mm-hmm. Ghost in the Machine. Oh, love Ghost in the Machine. All right. And 20 years of television since. <laughs> what kind of tele- what kind yeah, television are we talking about? Literally all of it. She's done reality she's television. She's done all, every show that you've seen on television, she's done a couple episodes. So just a working oh. director now. No, no voice, no reason to make any of individual art pieces. She's hmm. just been... Was this her first... Was this her directorial debut? Yes, it was. Wow. So... They put the Freddy franchise into the hands of an unknown. Mm-hmm. And she turned down the Peter Jackson script. Yes. Okay. I have a confession to make. Yeah. I have not seen Tank Girl or Ghost in the Machine. I've seen Tank Girl. Yeah. Tank Girl is almost unwatchable. At least it was back then. Maybe now there's some sort of ironic good-bad factor to it, probably. No. Let's uh, Ice-T as a kangaroo mutant. Mm-hmm. That's Tank Lori Girl. Petty, though. Lori Petty. Hey, Nathan. <clears throat> hey, baby. Yes, yes, cousin. You know what How I'm going to need you to do? You? What is that? I'm going to need you to stab me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do it. But uh, stab us. I'm not going to be able to um, stab you. I might. I might be able to tab you. I don't know if I can stab you though, because there's no maybe just absolutely b- just me. <laughs> no sexual content in this movie. Do you think? Hey, Jonathan, can we tab Daniel instead of stab him? What do you think? Can we tab him? I don't even know what that means. There's no sex, right? I, I get, but how do you tab somebody? There's <laughs> are there? There's no tits either. There's though, no right? tits either. Nope. Not even no side t- boob. And there's only body counts low. I know that. Yep. Do you body even know count. Nathan? Three. Yeah, three. No tits, no sex, low body count. Whole bunch of crap against drugs and villainizing weed. Like, this movie is something that Daniel, in my opinion, should not be cheering for. I was expecting you to come out on this one with a little bit of negativity, I gotta tell you. It's not my favorite. You can't put positive twists on things, man. Eventually, you have to admit that something sucks. I like it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny and entertaining. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Go with it. Jasmine has such a a lighthearted constitution. I do. So, let's get into this movie. Let's start talking about this movie. Let's get up nice and snuggle with this movie. Let's get our faces close to it, uncomfortably close to it, breathe into its open mouth. Can we start? That'd be great. Robert, this is sort of a strange question, but a lot of actors have a warm-up before they play their role. How do you warm up to play Freddy? Johnny Depp and Heather Langenkamp were my co-stars, as you remember, in part one. And 
I would sit there and watch these two gorgeous, young, pink-cheeked, you know, juvenile ingenues sitting there in the makeup room with me, drinking their Evian and getting pampered and having their whole careers ahead of them. And I was like 34, 35 then, you know, and I'd had my hills and valleys in Hollywood. And, uh, and here I was, you know, getting basted with Vaseline while, you know, they're getting their hair blown dry. So I used to just sort of use my envy of their youth and their beauty and the fact that they had their whole non-bitter, non-jaded careers ahead of them. Uh, and I, I realized one day that it was like a real parallel to sort of how Freddie feels about youth and beauty in the future. His own distaste and his own loathing of it because, of course, he has no, no youth and no beauty and no future. All right, so we are back to using quotes to open up the movie, right? We didn't have, a, we didn't have one for the last couple, did we? No. 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 This we time we've got two. Yeah, we haven't had a quote since the Book of Job. Right. And now we've got a Nietzsche, Nietzsche, Nietzsche. Nietzsche? Nietzsche. 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 We have a Nietzsche quote and a quote from Freddy Krueger himself. <laughs> nice twist. Right. Gotta remind you. It's really going on. And maybe his best quote ever. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to prime time, bitch. I just picked one at random, it seems like. There wasn't even one that didn't seem relevant to anything. I bet it's probably, like, the most popular. They probably did some research, and of all the previous movies, like, everyone loved that line. It's, like, the most remembered. Yeah. Even still. It is still, even still. They're just, like, slap it in there. Yeah. And then we are told that it is... We have, like, a weird, like, sci-fi opening, all right? Like, yeah, they move into some sort of, like, NORAD-type screen. Yeah. Of the United States. Telling us that there are no more children or teenagers left in Springwood, Ohio. That Freddy has killed all of them except for one. Ohio, Illinois. It's said Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. Is it Ohio? It's yeah. Ohio. And that guy is escaping on a plane. Yeah, the one teenager who happens to look like he's 38 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's leaving on a jet plane. Our large four-headed protagonist. Yeah, he's obviously trying to escape. <clears throat> We're having like some weird Twilight Zone movie moment where he's mm-hmm. looking out at the wing and there's condensation that's slipping through the window mm-hmm. and he starts freaking out. Great part where the old lady calls him a big pussy. <laughs> and immediately he does mention falls he's afraid of, of heights, although planes aren't the best place to be if you're afraid of heights. But I guess that's why he's trying to move his seat because he's at a window seat. He's like, I need a different seat. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, we're all full. There's nothing else. Yeah, and she's like, stop being such a big pussy. Yeah, stop being such a big pussy. And she gets sucked out of the plane. Right after she says that. So now we know that it's a dream, right? Yeah. Media. You're like, oh, Do this we? isn't real. <laughs> Do we know if it's a dream or not? And then he expects it. He gets sucked out of the bottom of the plane. He's not even surprised. He's but falling, he falling, seems falling. He's like, I was almost out. Ah. And then he falls. Mm-hmm. Wakes up in his house. Now his whole entire house is falling. And now we have a little Wizard of, the, uh, Wizard of Oz um, reference. Yeah, Freddy. Little big it, one. Yeah, not not a little one. This is <laughs> no. a, st- hitting you in the face with Freddy is the Wicked Witch of the West. Yes. And they're actually even, riding the broom. Riding the broom and they're playing the Wizard of Oz music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does a line too, right? He's like, I come for your body and your little soul too. Mm-hmm. So the line is like, I come for you, Dorothy, and your little dog too. Yep, so they straight up survives. parody the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I saw it. <laughs> I sighed at this part just because I was like I sighed at this oh, part oh is this a this is a total like Wizard of Oz type deal here and then he came by the window right after I thought that <laughs> the whole, I'll get you and your little dog too and I was like and your little dog too <sighs> bitch it's just your little soul too and your little soul and your little soul too 
<laughs> and then just flies away. Just green screens away. Yep, uh-huh. he's gone. Yep. And then the house crash lands. Uh, he gets thrown out the window. He's fine, I guess. He, well, he yeah. jumps out the window. Yeah. <laughs> just okay. Let's be honest. Yeah. He dives out the window right as the house. That's like how you do it, right? You jump up in the air right mm-hmm. before the thing you're on crashes. Right. Then you uh, you take none yeah. of the fall. None right of the fall. The impact. Yeah. You learned that in school. And. Right, ticket booth. Robert Shea gives us this little cameo with the Freddy glove. He's got the knives. He's like, "Here's your ticket." Mm-hmm. <laughs> the attendant has a little glove on. Gives him a ticket. Freddy comes out driving the bus, hits him. Part was Special kind of bus. this part's kind of weird. A lot of it's kind of weird because right as they reach the border of Springwood, Freddy slams the brakes. Hits the brakes. He goes flying. Yep. Sends uh, like John Doe is as he's known throughout the entire film. Sends John through. A fabric of reality. Yeah, it just sends him right into another dimension, it looked like. Or just, he just crosses the border of the town and hits his head on a rock and passes out. And Freddy is very, very pleased with himself that now he has sent out a piece of bait to bring him back more children like to kill. It fills the hole, too. It's important. It, it was all no, very cartoony, out. you know? How the hole in the space time fabric <laughs> was, <laughs> was John Doe's body silhouette. <laughs> yes. It's very cartoonish. Right. And then you see through the hole and he's laying down and it's like the real world. And inside the town, it's dark. It's night. I guess everyone's dreaming. Mm-hmm. Whereas outside of the town, it is daylight and the real world is happening. Right. Freddy Krueger is so strong after wiping out all of the children in this town that he has the town locked permanently in a nightmare state. It even says at the beginning, all the adults even, though they're not getting killed, they're all just in like a state of psychosis. Mm-hmm. And so they're just trapped in this forever nightmare world. And Freddy killed all the children, and then he tortures all the adults, probably psychologically. He had to, but, say, he had to send the, the surviving children. one out of the spelled town to bring back more bait. Yes. And the movie sets the tone in the first five minutes or so how ridiculous the rest of it's going to be. Yes. I mean, because... In, in the first five minutes, you have the Wizard of Oz play. You have the bus scene, the space-time continuum scene. You have uh, John Doe falling down a hill forever. So, what, John Doe smacks his head on a rock. There's blood on the rock, but on the opposite side of the rock where he hit his head. <laughs> uh, he smacked his temple against the rock, but his eyebrow is bleeding. He stands up, pulls... Keep awake pills, forty dollars, and a newspaper clipping out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. Some keep awakes. Yeah. Very glad to see some form of pill back in the movie. Gotta have something to stay awake. Drugs get are bad. off. Get off the drugs. They're bad for safe, you. Safe legal drugs. Mm-hmm. Safe legal drugs are fine. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you can see the pharmaceutical industry oh, already yeah. already pushing their message in this. Well, movie. this was right around the time of like the whole war on drugs starting and like Nancy yeah. Reagan and all that. Everyone like. Being like, Marijuana uh, bad, Valium good. Yes. Valium good. Mm-hmm. Because all those drugs in the in the drugstore off the shelf, those are safe drugs. All right, so he like wake gets up. He's like, I shouldn't be there. I should go the opposite way and just starts walking down the road. Yeah, he's walking away. He kind of like doesn't seem to understand where he is or who he is. Just the crap in his pocket. And now we go over to Brecken Meyer's debut acting performance. <laughs> As Spencer. What a thing to have on your resume. Center. Mm-hmm. Wearing his 1990s vest, playing his 1990s handheld. Ninja. The Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden. Mm-hmm. I used to have that. I remember having games like that. 
I mean, I can't remember games specifically, but I remember they were like one game. Yeah, that's it. And you play them. It was like I black and white. Yeah. It wasn't even graphics. The things just like moved around. Yeah. yeah things lit up. Yeah, it was just an elaborate stick figure that moved up and down. Yeah. It's all like light pixels and some of them would light up and some of them wouldn't. You could yep. see. 95% of the point of every one of those games was just to dodge things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his dad is berating him. I guess we're over at the youth center now. Yeah, the youth detention center. Right. So just like in Jason Lives, or uh, the new be- a new beginning, where they were at like a little youth detention center halfway house, now we are also in one of those in the Friday in the Freddy films. It's Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's a mashup. They're merging together. <laughs> and... Yeah, his dad's yelling at him because I guess apparently Spencer has been setting his dad's cars on fire <laughs> and trying to blow the garage He's up. just a troubled teen. Yeah, maybe a sociopath. Yeah, more <laughs> than just a troubled teen. Yeah, there's a lot hiding underneath that ponytail. And Maggie comes over. Maggie is the social care worker of mm-hmm. this youth detention center. Uh, she prides herself in taking care of Spencer and a couple of other characters. Um, She's a bleeding heart. The social workers, they usually are. I mean, you know, they work hard for no money. They gotta be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the part that just gets kind of like glossed over, like it's a little joke, is that the director of this youth center comes out and yells at Spencer because he confiscated a pipe bomb yep. from Spencer. Found it in his room. Yeah. As soon as Spencer sees it, he's out of there. He's like, ah, oh, about that. I was using it to teach the kids survival. Yeah. So this kid is like three weeks away from a school shooting. Right. And another thing that they glossed over, maybe why he's a few weeks from a school shooting is Spencer's dad wants him to be just like him, which was a jock and raping co-eds. Yeah. Date rape. Date rape from co-eds. So Spencer, it seems like there are a couple different parallels that Spencer and Freddie may have, but Spencer's taking it out with oh, yeah. mass execution where Freddie likes to go one-on-one. Yeah, and children. Yeah. So anyway, this pipe bomb gets confiscated and put down in the basement. Where they have an arsenal of weapons that they've been confiscating all week. A variety of violent and gruesome medieval almost weapons just sitting in this arsenal. Now including a pipe bomb. And Tracy comes running in, right? Tracy comes running in. The cops are coming in after her. They're all freaking out. They're like, hey, she tried to beat the shit out of some kid. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's Tracy. She's got some deep, deep rape issues. Yeah, she doesn't like she... to be touched mm-hmm. by anyone. She kind of glossed over it, and she's like, well, we have a session. It's okay. We're, we're working on this. She's like, ah, I got to go talk to someone else. And she storms off, and they're like, oh, okay, it's fine now. Mm-hmm. She goes to see Doc. <laughs> and Doc is the boxing instructor slash dream expert slash... I think he's a therapist also. He therapist. He's a therapist. Is they he get a like the 25... Yeah, he coaches her on her Tracy Foo. I think he just huh. pops up when she's training to talk to her. But Slash he's friend of Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Running Man. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Wow, nice one. <laughs> Slash trains her how to meditate instantly. Yeah. He's a dream mm. master. Well, he's a good teacher. Yeah, he's really good, yeah. And there's no surprise here, being a Freddy movie, that we have ourselves a you know halfway house full of troubled youths at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Right? You yeah. could have almost guessed that. Would happen. But am I the only one to think that of all people for Freddy to eventually kill, it's probably best that he took care of Spencer? 
Oh, because of the drugs? No, no, because he was about to murder a whole bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> and Frey doesn't like oh, that. He's probably pissed. He's his... like, I killed all the kids, not you. <laughs> with his pipe bombs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't seem very, what's what's the word? Good at acting? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I didn't really buy the fact that he was a troubled youth at all. I was like, hey, it's that friendly young man from uh, from Road Trip. And from that hey. lawyer show with Zach from Saved by the Bell. Hey, he was you. He was awesome and clueless. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not threatening even a little bit. Hi. <laughs> nope. And not after what they make him go through later. Oh, yep. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. But now, yeah, we've met Spencer. We've also met Tracy. And now we get to see while Tracy is working out, we get to meet Carlos, who... You is... mean Carlos? Yeah. <laughs> That's when Jazz and I are watching it. I was like, "Oh, he's killing handicapped guys again." Jonathan's going to be all in on this. <laughs> I think it's awesome. We were watching that with the subtitles on. How appropriate. Uh huh. <laughs> and he's like, having a good time with it too. He kind of like implies that he got that he became deaf from physical abuse. It, mm-hmm. it we we see later like his mom beating the shit out of him yeah. enough to make him deaf. Yeah, but before we get to that, I want to talk about how they. Sort of just explain everything you need to know about Freddy that was confusing to you before from any of the other movies. They did. They used it to kind of fill in the gaps and some stuff. They're like, how about we go back into Freddy's past? Because they don't really talk about Freddy's past yeah. in the other movies. But but this conversation in particular is oh. with Maggie and Doc. Oh, yeah. And Doc's talking about how he's but he controls his own dreams and he's, you know, he's into dreams. Dreams yeah. are kind of his hobby. They're trying to use dream therapy to help the kids out. Right, yeah, And he has the poster on his wall of dream demons. And the lore of the dream demons is that they wander around through people's dreams looking for the most twisted human being they can find and then imbuing that twisted human being with dr- eternal dream life and dream powers. Yeah. so Power to live forever through dreams. There nightmares. Is. That's Freddy, how Freddy was made. Freddy made a deal with some demons and and dream demons. And he explains a little better. Like, well, he explains a little more later about actually being in the house and burning and then them coming to him and offering him the opportunity to live forever through dreams. Yeah, but all before when you're like dream gates and dream portals and dream masters and what is all this gibberish? Mm -hmm. Here it is. It's all part of this ancient dream demon mythology or fact. Fact. In this universe is fact because it's happening. So you're saying that I should have felt satisfied after the origin story and been like, oh, okay, well that makes everything better. Tied up all the loose ends. Tied up everything for me. I'm good now. Yeah. Well, we don't always feel better when we have everything tied up for us. I suppose that's a good... That's an excellent statement, Daniel. You're right. I don't don't feel good. (laughs) I know. I'm there for you, buddy. (laughs) I want you, Uh after all this is said and done, I want you just completely Stepford Wife brainwashed about loving horror films. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're not they're not horror films though this is not a horror film that's nice that's what all of this is that's what all of this podcasting about the mm-hmm. horror series is is to what? make your cousin in canada a fan of horror films yep and you two guys too you're just the, the not as hard sell mm-hmm. i want six months from now i want everyone being like daniel daniel what horror movie is next daniel <laughs> <laughs> oh my god was, that's just it he was he was talking to his brother and his sister probably and he was like i need I need a project that I can just sink my teeth into. You know, something that I can really take a really long time that can keep my focus. 
Well, you could make Nathan like horror movies. Oh shit! <laughs> Take most That's of it. My life. That's it. Here, here. I was thinking that I was becoming that I was, you know, speaking in an entertaining podcast, not joining a cult. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of dream worlds, <clears throat> we have Maggie going off into her little girl dream. Yeah, Maggie is having dreams about being a little girl, seeing some water tower, mm-hmm. seeing a water tower, being in the backyard. backyard. Wait, which one's Maggie? Maggie's the main, the main woman, <laughs> the, the caseworker, the yeah. social Lisa, worker. Lisa Zane. Yeah. Yes. yes. Billy Zane's sister. Billy Zane's more successful sister. Yeah. Is that Billy Zane's sister? Yeah. yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, we googled it. <laughs> I didn't realize that they were such a powerhouse acting family. Did you? John is just stumbling around town trying to stay awake. Yeah. Right. Just cops find him in an alley. Yeah, they drive by and he's like, oh, you know that crackhead? And she's like, no, that one's new. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, we got to take him to juvie and file all this paperwork and do all this work. And they're like, screw that. So let someone else do that. So they just drop him off at the youth center. Yep. They're like, he's probably going to end up there eventually anyway. <laughs> Yet another reason not to do drugs, boys and girls. You're, you're going to make lazy police officers do paperwork. Oh, no. Awful. They hate that. Awful. So in walks John, the amnesiac. He doesn't know what the fuck is happening. He's got some stuff in his pocket. Maggie is trying to figure out what's happening with him. She's kind of... She feels something inside of her when she looks at that article in his pocket. She knows that she has some sort of weird connection to it. And they go ahead and just file John into the system, right? He's just sleeping in one of the bunks, trying to stay awake. And he ends up nodding off. But she talks to him first about why he's been awake so long Mm -hmm. and why he's afraid to go to sleep. And he's like... I just feel like something really bad's going to happen if I go to sleep. Which is kind of weird, because it seems like as the last survivor of Springwood, you would know all about Freddy, right? But he has amnesia. He has amnesia. He had his head uh, on the rock. Yeah. Um, he only knows that he's out. probably, he just doesn't want to go to sleep. He's not entirely sure why. But he thinks it'll be dangerous. And he ends up falling asleep anyways. Follows this little girl around. And his actual body is like dreamwalking in the real world. Captures the attention of the, of the security guard. And after he busts into a room where he's staring face-to-face with his own memories. His, his memories stuck in a padded cell. Mm-hmm. Blood on <clears throat> Yeah, he freaks out and backs out of the room and knocks the actual security guard out of a real window. <laughs> and they make it seem like he's dead. And that almost would have been better if it was that way. Probably. Well, he looks out the window and he's like, oh, shit. And they pan to the shot and it's like on the first floor. But... John and Maggie, they talk to each other. They figure out that they have some sort of weird connection with their dreams. The doc is in on it now. He thinks they have a weird connection with their dreams. He didn't like it either. He's like, something's fucked up with this. Mm-hmm. So the only sensible thing is to kidnap go back the kid. to Springwood. Of course. Right. Take him Look. back to the source of his and everyone else's nightmare. And they're in the town right next to Springwood. So surely they know about Springwood's terrible, terrible missing children problem. Right? <laughs> right? You would You would think so. You know, but it's the same thing with all the people in Friday the 13th not knowing about Jason Voorhees, who has slaughtered like 50 people in a quiet little town over the years. Yeah. And no one yeah, knows I'm who with, he is. Yeah. No, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Because if this was actually happening in a town where there's no children left because all the children died in their dreams, you'd be, you'd be moving. You'd be gone. <laughs> exactly. Mysterious murders and suicides. No. I mean, it, it would be a fucking ghost town. Yeah. Once you get to like the 25 kids have died, 
all the parents to be picking up and fucking leaving. Yeah. Like, look, mm-hmm. my kid's not going to be the next one. They wouldn't wait for hundreds of kids Maybe to die. Maybe that's what happened, and that's why Freddie got all the children. Because then he's like, oh, shit, they're leaving. Let me just wipe out these last few real quick. Freddie notices all these moving vans. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, fuck. He's like, oh, shit, time's running out. Mm-hmm. Let me send this kid out in the real world. Give me some more. He's got a, yeah. I mean, there are. We do see in Springwood, the abandoned town, a whole bunch of for sale signs and houses boarded up. So Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of people have left. Yeah, maybe a lot of people did leave, yeah. We don't know that part. Let's just go ahead and assume that. Roseanne and Tom are just like the mayor and secretary of the treasury. (laughs) Tom Arnold, the uh, latter day Rob Ford. (laughs) Yeah, just holed up in this town doing tons of coke so they won't fall asleep. I love you guys. (laughs) <laughs> just like one one fucked up thing about Canadian politics and it's just uh woo, woo. it's on it's oh yeah Phil Day. oh my god yeah. you know he's voted the worst mayor in the world I think they said today on the 2013 countdown <laughs> <laughs> they're going through all the bad mayors but they they made him the number one worst mayor mm-hmm. in the world well, I wish we could go through all of the southern United States <laughs> And all the religious fanatic politicians and nonsensical idiots that are in office in the United States. That'd be great. Yep. Oh, but yeah, instead, but they don't get caught. It's instead, let's follow <laughs> everyone out to Nathan's favorite, Springwood Fair. Woo, the Springwood Fair. Town What's fair. the point of even having a fair anymore? I no, I can't, I can't do that. I have to talk more about politics. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I realize you're trying to keep me on point. That's fine. All right. Okay. Let's go. Well, we, we missed a really important thing. Part of the kids' escape plan to go to California is apparently hiding out in the van that the what Troubled Youth Center uses. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, how do you get asleep, too. Yeah, like, how do, you, how do you get to a cab when you're waiting for someone in, like, the Troubled Youth Center to pick up the van and uh, I mean is that the plan? Like Maybe they're like stowed away in the parking lot. No, their plan was to take this taxi and just slip out and go to California but then once they heard that Maggie and John were going to go out to Springwood in the van they were like fuck it let's just hide back there and get ourselves out of here. Yeah, it never mentions that at all. Well, yeah. that's I think that's kind of what you're supposed to think and then when John has a dream, he dreams about a little girl being in the middle of the street he like cranks the wheel of the van uh-huh. they spin out and that's when everyone that's hiding in the back comes flooding out the front and maggie is pissed off she's like okay but maybe i'll do this as soon as they pull out that that van pulls out of the youth detention center it says that springwood is two miles away <laughs> so they barely get out there they figure out that they have some stowaways in the back all they had to do was just turn around drive back to the youth center five, five minutes, minutes. <laughs> five minutes drop those kids off and then head back out to the fair again but instead they make this big ordeal about how they have to go find a phone and call and check in and then she wants these kids to take the van back by themselves. Yes, the at-risk youth. So she, she is just walk a around with shitty John. social worker. Really bad. She, she was really bad at yeah. her job. Yes. I don't understand how the boss, Kelly, right? Yeah. Trusts her with any fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And like we said, the first thing they notice is there's no kids at this fair. Also, the people seem to be afraid of the kids. They like see the kids coming and they're like getting all their shit and they're leaving. That's right. We're getting ready to leave. They're like freaking out. They're like, go away. What are y'all doing over there? And even if it is a fair, like a city fair or a town fair with no kids, wouldn't you make sure not to have cockroaches crawling over food? 
Yeah, no one cares. There's like a no dirty clown in the back who's smoking cigarettes, wishing there was some kids there to rape. <laughs> There's some crazy guy riding the little car by himself. The bumper car is all by himself, by. just going in circles. Making vroom sounds. Uh-huh. And then we have Roseanne coming out. She's the town crazy, the town the mama. She misses her kids. She thinks that these are her new kids that she's going to take home, and <laughs> she's going to hide them a lot better this time. That's kind of dark. Yeah. What was she doing to her kids before? She yeah. just, Freddie got them. And so Tom Arnold Tom comes Arnold out. Tom Arnold comes in. Yay. Mm-hmm. He's like, what are you doing with those children? Starts screaming at his wife, Ethel. <laughs> Go figure Tom Arnold is the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you doing with those children? You know they bring him. Yeah. And Ethel is a, you know, our go-to kind of crazy older woman name. Right? Yeah. It is. Wasn't Ethel the, the foul-mouthed one from was Jason it, 5? Was it Ethel? Esther? Esther? Ethel? Ethel and Junior? I thought it was. It's riveting, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you had quite a crush on her when we were talking about it, so... <laughs> if, if we just wipe that dirt off her face... <laughs> She's fuckable. Hey. She's totally fuckable. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was trying to point out the fact that they were... They did a shitty job of casting and making someone look like, you know... Because she's supposed to be... Down home, backcountry, wacko. She's not supposed to be semi-attractive 40-year-old woman that they put a bunch of dirt on her face and it doesn't even look that good. Uh, the fact that I said semi-attractive is the part that you all get hung up on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the craziest part about what you said. Was that... Shut the fuck up. All right. Mm-hmm. right. The, the scary thing that Tom Arnold says is that stop freaking out over these little kids or you're going to draw his attention. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're all aware that... Any little kid that pops up in this town, Freddy's turning his head and is going to get involved in their life somehow and torture them somehow. So everyone's pretty terrified of these kids. They're getting the fuck out of there. Everybody's leaving. Yep. Maggie goes ahead and sends all the youths home. She takes John off to investigate and they get stuck in the spell of the town, right? Yep. It, is that what it is? Because it seems like Freddy has this ability to make people go in the Groundhog Day type scenario and they just keep driving by this statue of a little kid with the inscription the children shall endure mm-hmm. over and over and over again where they keep getting pissed off at each other so they actually realize that they are going in circles at the very first time not like fucking dipshit i don't know football captain or whatever yeah. it was well, before he was one got it for alice but yeah alice and dan dan yeah but- yeah dan it took him a while well dan but- got it for alice alice is like let's just keep doing this dan's like i feel like we've done this before yeah yeah, but Tracy recognizes pretty quick that they're just driving around in circles. She's pissed off. Spencer's pissed off. Spencer's pissed off. Spencer stops to smoke a joint. The other two people attack him, mm-hmm. right? Tracy threatens to kill him. Punctures heart. Yeah, with two fingers. Yep. And so then you know, well, the only other option is that it was a woman driving. So let's swap seats. Right? <laughs> yeah. We try. And Spencer can't do it either. But the way you made it sound was that Tracy threatened to kill him because he was smoking a joint. I think it was more because of his little comment of it takes a special kind of person to to get lost going in a circle or something like that. Like, he was making fun of her intelligence. No, was, no, it was the smoking weed. Yeah, she's like, you have to like, stop every 10 seconds so that you have to like, get yeah. high, Mr. Hayo. She's like, it's hard enough staying awake when you're smoking weed every 10 minutes. And he's like, well, it, makes, it helps me relax. He's like, I'll help you relax if I puncture you in the heart. Mm-hmm. With my two fingers and mess up the seats. Yeah. I don't know how that sounds relaxing to anyone, but 
psycho. She's like, I'll be relaxed forever. And now they've stumbled into the school. Maggie and John have stumbled into the school. There's a crazy old guy, old teacher in there. He misses having a class to teach to. That guy is good. I like that guy. He plays crazy very well. He's just like off talking to some imaginary people about some imaginary stuff. But some of it makes sense. It's about Freddy. And it's important. It's all about Freddy. This is Freddy 101. Yeah. Yeah, but why is everybody in the goddamn town insane? Because Freddy Krueger has been torturing them for 10 years. Killing off their kids and giving them bad dreams. He's been giving the adults bad dreams? I thought he didn't go near the adults. Yeah, he doesn't kill them. But I think he tortures them a little bit and takes their kids away. It says that they're Could this stuck be in lumped under the wild assumptions category? No, it says it in the beginning that the adults in the town are all under a psychosis. Yeah. A sarcosis. Uh, a mass psychosis. Mass psychosis, yeah. A mass psychosis. Okay. This teacher well, is I can't say I was paying that much attention. So <laughs> if you say so, we'll go with that. Exactly. <laughs> and Freddie, according to the teacher, was Christopher Columbus. Yep. Except he came a year after Columbus did. Mm -hmm. So 1493, Freddie sailed across the sea or something like that. Yeah, and the big big vengeance story, the big like reveal is that Freddy Krueger used to have a kid. After he was found out to be murdering and raping children in the town, they came and took his daughter away. And it was wrong, he says. And how dare they do that? So now he's he's been getting his vengeance. It's because he does a little murdering. doesn't mean he can't raise a child. Yeah, I mean, you spend your nights murdering and raping children. Doesn't that say that you're qualified to raise your own child? And they have the audacity to take my kid away? Now I'm going to continue murdering and killing. Those motherfuckers. (laughs) I'm going to murder and kill more, he says. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think Freddy has a good concept of, like, justified vengeance. Right. But there's also a nice convenient little scrapbook that's on the table that has, like, all the Freddy information you need, all the children that he killed in the past, all the children that have been missing recently. Mm-hmm. It's where the article that John has been carrying around in his pocket came from. Mm-hmm. It's how they know that he did come from there, in fact. Mm-hmm. Or at least he was there at some point or another. And this is where I learned, as a, as a avid Friday, no, Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> watcher, that Freddy actually killed children in their dreams right it was like a seven-year-old and a eight-year-old and all this stuff i was just under the assumption it was just teenagers because that's all we saw in the movies yeah he must have run out eventually right and started going younger and younger it seems like he would wait for them to grow up a little bit because it would be more fun killing a teenager than it would a little kid but that's just my twisted mind and not the twisted mind of freddy krueger yeah. oh yeah he likes the kids he likes to get them easy that's his thing that was his thing before was the killing of the children and then he got the teenagers because he wanted to teach the parents a lesson and get their children. They were kind of old for him, but he was going to do it anyway because they needed to learn that it was not cool to kill him. Yeah, kids kids are still fun to kill. Babies, probably not so fun. Right. Can you tell if they're super, super scared? Well, no, so. I mean, they, they cry, cry for everything. Way. Yeah, they're already crying all the time. <laughs> There's no... Yeah. It seems like mortal Freddy makes sense killing kids because they're easier targets. Mm-hmm. And teenagers would be a lot more difficult. Supernatural Freddy, you'd go for the teenagers because you could have more fun and toy with them. Yeah, yeah scaring the crap nightmares. out of them. They have nightmares where it's like children usually dream about good things. Like they have a few nightmares, but they're more happy, innocent, cute child dreams. Right. And you start getting older and you start like feeling life and how much it sucks, especially as a teenager when you think the everything hormones. sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like it's a good time to get them in their hate and despair. 
now that they've pretty much given up, the rest of the kids, they've given up on trying to get out of this town. They can't do it. They just keep crossing the same street over and over and over again. So they stop the car, they get out, and they just find an empty house to yeah. stay in for the night. They're tired. They're driving around. They're getting so tired. They've been driving around all goddamn day. It yeah. was daylight when they got there, and now it's night. Yep. yep. And Tracy finds this abandoned neighborhood. Yes. That, Let's break into this house and just yeah. sleep here for the night. One had a for sale sign, so they're like, oh, it must be empty. No one lives here. It's for sale. Let's get in here. And they go in, and everything seems okay. And then the house begins to morph violently into Nancy's old house. And bum, 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 it's supposed to be super scary. They don't notice any of that. No, nothing nope. is noticed by the people inside. Mm-hmm. And the first thing Carlos wants to do, ugh, what a long day of reading maps. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, we, didn't, we forgot to talk about his little dream sequence where he's in the back of the van and he starts folding through all the maps and the map keeps getting bigger and bigger and swallowing <laughs> and the them up. the whole back of the van is full of map. Until it just says you're fucked on it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they ask, what does the map say? And it says, the map says we're fucked. <laughs> yeah. That's a good part. I like that part. It's a great line. But he just goes to bed right away. Just finds a filthy fucking bed and just lays his face right onto that filthy fucking bed. He says, it's better uh, than the streets. And just... That's what he says. It's better than the streets. Better than the streets. Does he get super good sleep when he turns the hearing aid off? No, he I keeps it on. So, right? But he keeps it on. He does keep it on. But do you think that you would if you were just like, if you had one and you were going yeah. to bed, you'd just be like... Probably. Or like take it out. I feel like it might be a little uncomfortable laying on it. Or is it that terrifying silence? Um, I, I think Carlos doesn't really give a shit at this point. He's already agreed to fall asleep on a bed that has 50 pounds of dust on it and fl- dead flesh. He probably light. leaves it on because he wants to be normal. You look at him and you think, oh man, it'd be great to turn off my hearing so I could have deep, deep, wonderful sleep. But to him, he's you know always trying to hear things. So he probably leaves it on. Because he wants to be normal. He's just thinking about when his mom used to jam foot-long Q-tips <laughs> Wait, we haven't through his skull. <laughs> what does that have to do with turning it on or off? <laughs> <laughs> You're just bringing up the gigantic Q-tip because it's an awesome death. And And we're actually at that part because Carlos just falls asleep. Yeah. And... He hears Tracy calling him from the real world, which makes him kind of wander out of bed. And he stumbles into like an old alleyway where he comes across his mother. She is not happy. <laughs> no. And she doesn't like him talking back to her because that must mean that his ears are dirty. <laughs> and so she gets up on him and she has this huge long Q-tip. And, you know, he kind of catches on that it's not his mom after a while. Well, Freddie like pops out. He's like begging. He's like, no, don't do it, mom. Don't make me deaf. And he puts his head down. When he pops his head back up, it's Freddie. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't give a fuck about you. I'll jam this right in your skull. Yep. Which he does. Clean out your ears. All the way through. All the way through. In one ear and out the other ear. It actually pops his hearing aid like off his ear. Yeah. When it comes out the other side. That scene bothered me a little bit. (laughs) It's because you have a Q-tip thing. So you're like. (laughs) I'm not the only one on this podcast that has a Q-tip thing. And I believe we've already talked about that infomercial where the guy goes too deep. Mm -hmm. Ow. Yeah. Ow. Ow. Yeah. How do you use these things? <laughs> yep. But he just pulls it right out of his head. You know, it's a dream. No big deal. Uh, Freddie cuts his ear off. He's like, I'll just take this. Just Vincent Van Gogh's Carlos. What does cutting his ear off have to do with anything? It's like he already, you know, stuck a Q-tip all the way through his fucking head. But it's just what like you were saying. He's taking the one thing away that makes him normal. 
I know, but his eardrums are fucked after he did that, right? Like, his ear is irrevocably damaged now. Mm-hmm. Right, it should be, right? Um, cutting this, the skin part of your ear off is the lot, like, who... Honestly, I'm pretty sure you should be dead. Yeah, yeah. 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 it goes all the way through your head. It's a dream, that though. This is all symbolic. You, so. Yeah, it's a dream. Cutting the ear off is symbolic. Cleaning out of it, cleaning out his some dirty mind. Some of it's mind. real. Some of it isn't. Some of it's symbolic. Some of it's blah blah blah. No, Fuck this. No, it's all a dream. It's all a nightmare on the street bullshit. But maybe the coolest thing that they did in the movie, at least as far as I'm concerned, is they turned Carlos's like running sequence into just nothing but heartbeat sounds. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're hearing what he's hearing, which is just heartbeat. Yeah, it gets really quiet. You get kind of sucked into the movie a little bit. I did like the whole thing with, yeah, the silence, or when he takes off his hearing aid, everything gets muted. I did enjoy that part. I thought that was well done. And then well Freddy done. starts taunting him. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. You see Freddy <laughs> jumping behind up behind him. him. Yep, that uh, was great. It kind of made me wish, though, that Carlos was the main character, and that it continued throughout the whole movie as he tried to navigate... You know how to how to stop Freddy. I, I I was cheering for Carlos, and when Carlos when when Carlos went first, uh, I was kind of it disconnected me a little. Yeah, Carlos might have been more entertaining to watch as a main character than this John guy, or uh, or Maggie even. But yeah, watching him watching Freddy dance around behind him and make a bunch of <laughs> gestures and shit that he can't hear that was great. Um, the making different sounds be like deafeningly loud. With the water dropping and then dropping all the... Oh, yeah. Once, so once Freddie gives him the hearing aid back that turns into, like, a Freddy hearing aid. Yeah, yeah. He gives him his hearing back, or his hearing aid back. He puts it on and kind of absorbs into his skull and becomes, it, like, like, an like amplifier. Almost. It turns into, like... It reminded me of, like, the alien face hugger mm-hmm. type thing just on his ear. Yeah, and it amplifies all the sound. So the water dropping is deafening. And Freddie's torturing him by dropping needles on the ground. And then... The best part is <laughs> comes out with a little tiny chalkboard. <laughs> dun, to, dun, dun. Yeah, it's like watching like an old Ooh. circus or something. Uh-huh. Like dun, a little dun, vaudeville dun, act. Dun. Yeah, he's like, oh, oh. He starts stretching the chalkboard oh. out. Oh, oh, oh. Freddie's definitely having fun with this. Mm-hmm. And it's great because what better, you know, that's that's a perfect hand-in-hand theme and concept Freddy way to kill somebody. Yeah, He's known for having long claws like nails on a chalkboard is everyone hates that and here you have a deaf guy and so you're going to kill him with sound i'll say i hated it when they did it in the movie because mm-hmm. you had it up loud the first time i was like yeah, the first time yeah. it's great and actually the more he does it the more his head starts to pulse and mm-hmm. he can't take the sound and it's killing him it's killing him his nose is bleeding his ears are bleeding freddie's like violently fucking this like chalkboard as he, he was humps this ace venturing <laughs> that chalkboard and then his head explodes. Pretty good, not pretty good death. Yeah, yeah, clean off. A lot of dancing around and goofy bullshit, but in the end, exploding I mean, head. It, it wouldn't be nearly as good of a death without all the goofy bullshit leading up to it, though. That's true. Definitely. You know that that's what really makes it is you know Freddy jumping behind Carlos and mm-hmm. and just making fun of him for being deaf, and then <laughs> just the amplified earpiece. All that stuff, just leading up to the nails on the chalkboard and Freddy violently gyrating yep. to this chalkboard to a head exploding. And that's our first death. That's our first death this far into the movie, and that's our first death. 
So then we're back in the house. Dun, dun, dun. And Tracy goes in the room and she just finds a hearing aid. Yeah, oh yeah, only his hearing aid is there. His body is completely gone from the real world. Now, this is a little bit weird. A little different. A little bit different. Uh, we but we're okay with the change. No, we no. just need to come up with some reason why. Well, Freddy is so strong, he absorbs their body and soul. Yeah, we don't need to explain it because... The other characters provide us with some context clues, which is that uh, Freddy is so powerful that now he is not only killing these children, he is erasing them from existence. Mm. You know what I think it was? What? So you're going to go against the explanation in the movie and say what it was? Mm-hmm. I think this was probably a part of Peter Jackson's original concept. He probably regained his strength one soul at a time devouring the kids until he became powerful enough to unleash hell and i think that that part of it just that idea they liked that idea so they kept it and they came up with a reason to include it it's very probable that makes sense yeah these things are all frankenstein together so it was a good shot something of jackson's came through and this might have been it yeah they don't do a whole lot to tell you why it's happening but that's why it's happening he's just erasing them and going back to that, it seems like with the whole Peter Jackson script where, you know, they're making fun of him and then he gets more and more powerful and more and more powerful where he's erasing people from existence. Mm-hmm. And it seems like with this movie, they picked up after Freddy has unleashed hell. It yeah. seems like they should have included that part and not starting at the post-apocalyptic Freddy world and just included the part of Freddy just destroying everybody. Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare, is supposed to be the last installment in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. It opens next Friday, appropriately enough, this Friday, actually, on Friday the 13th. Joining us this morning, the real Freddy Krueger, Robert Englund. Funny, you don't look like that guy you play. Oh, hi. Good morning, Paul. Is it true? You're really going to be dead? Yes, really dead. This is it. This is it. This is it. These films have made $400 million. If this film opening on Friday the 13th does well, there's no way they'll resurrect you? Well, they, they can't, first of all. Um, I'm working for somebody else now. I'm, I'm doing a, a TV series on another network. And uh, I, I think they really wanted to reward the fans, you know, really go out with a bang instead of a whimper. You know, we could probably drag these on forever, but uh, I, I'm kind of proud of them for, like, um, sort of putting everything in the last one, like a big finale. Now, as I understand, your attitude towards this genre of film wasn't all that positive when you first started off. Yeah, I know. I'm really associated with horror movies now, but uh, no, I, I was... Uh, you know, I, was, I took myself a little too seriously before I did all these. If it's taught me anything, it's taught me to sort of respect the popular culture, uh, highs and lows and fads of the country. You know, I was, I was quite the snob before I did these. And what is it about popular culture? Why is this such a fad? Because your fans out there are, are really strong. You know, I'm not certain why, but, you know, the horror movie's been on a, on a steady sort of upswing since uh, Rosemary's Baby, I guess, or The Exorcist. You know, they're just... Uh, ascending constantly on the sort of barometer of popularity and i'm not really sure why i think there's something to do with maybe audiences really like to see them out of the house out in the movie theater in the dark collectively with friends and strangers as opposed to just you know the rental phenomenon that's happening now with 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 vcrs and video i think there's something about the collective experience of being scared together that people really enjoy that's missing in the rest of of society so maybe that's what 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 they're into Mm-hmm. But here we have more stoner hatred, 
and stoner misrepresentation, <laughs> right? Spencer is watching a broken television and completely infatuated <laughs> with it as if he's having some wild hallucination, which just doesn't happen, because especially weed, not on early 90s weed. Well, weed makes you hallucinate, right? Nah. <laughs> not like no? that. No? No. Not well, at all. Marijuana is a mild hallucinogen, but it doesn't make you see things that aren't there. Yeah, but Tracy, she's disgusted with him because she needs his help to go find Carlos, and he's just like, oh, I'm so super stoned right now. And she's like, all right, fuck you. I'm going to go drive aimlessly around this neighborhood and try and find Maggie and John, even though I have no idea where they could be. I've never been to this town never before. Never been to this town. <laughs> I got lost a million times earlier. Yep. So, yeah, this I'm time, just going to... This time is going to be different. And it is, actually, and she finds them. Yeah, no, we go over to John and Maggie. They found their way to the orphanage because now they want to investigate this whole Kruger's Kruger kid child, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And John's got this wild idea that he might be Kruger's son. Where does he get that idea? Even though he... Because he's the only one alive. And so there's got to be a reason why. Well, first he thinks he's the only one alive, and he's trying to figure out why. And then once he mentions the Freddy Krueger child, he's like, maybe that's why I'm alive, because I'm his child and he doesn't want to kill me. That's his reason in his head, which goes right. pretty much till he dies. He thinks he's his son and that he's not going to kill him because of that, and that's why he's kept him alive. Right, which means that John is terrible at math. Yeah. Yes. Just terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. He would have figured out he wasn't half as old as he needed to be if he had just I mean, bothered really, to take the time. They said that they took his child away in 1966. He wasn't even alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, alive he doesn't even need to be bad at math. Doesn't he just need to know, well, I wasn't alive in 1966. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Exactly. They took his kid away when? Oh, okay, I wasn't there. It's fine. That's exactly right. John's an idiot. So and they go to the orphanage. Yeah, yeah, they go there at the orphanage. He, you know. Wait, did you just say John's an idiot? Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> the character in the movie. Oh my god, he agrees. Yeah, there's a crazy woman there. She's just talking to invisible kids. She's, you know, like the rest of the adults in this town. She's gone crazy. But they do find a little picture that was drawn by a K. Kruger and shows Freddy Krueger and Freddy Krueger's wife and a kid. Mm-hmm. Right, a kid that they assume is a boy. Mm-hmm. that John assumes is him. And when they go to get out of there, that's when Tracy is just pulling up in the van like, oh, thank God I found you guys. <laughs> it's only been 10 yeah, seconds. I find you. Yeah. I don't, she, I don't know. I don't she know how she magically finds them. She knew. She's, like, she's driving gonna around. And they're going to be at the orphanage. It's a pretty small town, so I guess maybe it's like she was driving around and there's only so many streets you can go on. She found him. And Spencer is back enjoying a little bit, a little Inagata de Vida. Now nice, this should have you know, been nice little in PSA 3D. before the Inagata de Vito. We have Mr. Johnny Depp oh, yeah. on television. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp cameo. That's right. Johnny Depp pops up, does a little anti drug commercial. Does the Dare commercial? This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Yep. Right with the egg in the frying pan. Yep. Mm-hmm. And great part. Takes a pan to the face, and Freddie's like, just looks like some fucking eggs, eggs to in me. A pan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he asks Spencer, "Hey, Spencer." Let's trip out. Mm-hmm. I think this th- this part should have been in 3D, where the stuff starts coming out of the TV and it like sucks him in. Like that would have been fun to watch in 3D. So he gets sucked into a video game played by Freddy with yeah. great graphics. Oh. Great graphics. Oh man, Freddy is enjoying this video game. <laughs> he looks kind of stoned himself, I must say. He says a lot of stoner lines. He's staring at this TV playing a video game. He's like, oh, great graphics. <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. and he, let's see, in the game, Spencer beats up his dad. Yeah, right. It, yeah, because like he's fighting against Be his like dad. Me. Yeah, fighting against his dad, and then we have a super version of his dad in the game, 
and Freddy says the Nintendo line, now you're playing with power. It's just, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh God, this is this is Nintendo product placement. Why would Nintendo want to do this in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Yeah, all, hey. of, all of this. Nathan, I don't know about you, but this was uh, tough. Yeah, I was going to say, if you, if you tried to positive spin this one, <laughs> we were done. Now, <laughs> now, between Daniel and Nate, what is worse? The Kung Fu fighter fighting an invisible Freddy or Spencer's video game death? Video game death. Versus, um, what's his name? I think, the, I think the video game death should have more shame associated with it because they executed it obviously the the way that they wanted to, which and is the worst the cheesiness. Way. Yeah, the cheesiness of it and the awfulness of it is a product of their specific intentions. Whereas the um, invisible karate fight is just a product of that actor's inability to perform. Um, and just the whole concept of it isn't very good to begin with. So it's just poorly done versus, you know, executed well, but terrible awfulness. Yeah, because it is done so insanely, so slapstick and cartoonish that if you were, if any, if any tiny piece of you was involved in this movie as a horror film, and no matter how lenient you were about, no matter how jasmine you were about <laughs> this movie, that part is shattering. Yeah, it's not a horror film anymore. No. But this okay, wasn't a but horror can film. Can I just Okay. This wasn't a the, horror film since Freddy was the Wicked Witch of the West. No. Definitely not. In the, in the past, shit like this has gone down. Maybe not this atrocious, but shit that's close to this atrocious has gone down and you know, you've you've spun gold to make it look like something that it's not uh, this whole series has been this bad for a while like ever since four it's been atrocious like everything has been just worth punching holes in all of it like it's terrible like how spencer was punching holes in the, all the walls mm-hmm. like number number one was i mean according to all the people out there groundbreaking or whatever number two took itself too seriously sure but it actually gave a lot more merit to all the rules and stuff regarding dream world. Now it affects reality. And that's why I like it because it has more substance and it's more, it has more of a foundation and it also has the best uh, rope skip, right? Uh, yeah, that's my favorite, right? <laughs> that was your favorite. Yeah. 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 It was my favorite. Um, and then the third one, you know, they started to evolve and take it closer to, you know, its current state, which is, giving birth to the clown Freddy Krueger and leaving the horror movie concept of it behind. It hasn't been a horror movie for a long time. And Dream Child was ridiculously confusing and nonsensical. And that's why they didn't carry on that storyline. And here we are. Here we are with you guys finally, finally understanding. It take it took video games for you to for you to really for, for it to sink home, you know, but here we are. I do want to say, though, I think the reason they added this part in and they made all the video game references is the gimmick part of it. Video games are becoming really big. It's the early 90s. Like, everyone was buying a Nintendo. And they just were trying to relate to kids. They're trying to relate to what people want and what they think they want. Yeah, we know the Freddy movies are, like. are a big marketing whore. Yeah. 
So that's, yeah. they were just going for supermarketing. We know what that. What else can we throw in here? But it was the yeah. execution. It was just... Yeah, it's pretty terrible. If they had done four out of five things wrong and the and one out of five things right, I'd be schmoozing all over this trying to defend <laughs> it. But they did everything that they could do wrong in that scene. And... You know, I like the part where he's in the video game. I love my dog, but I discipline everyone him every once in a while too. When that's what I'm doing right now, I'm smacking this movie on the snout for this part. You know, I'll give you I'll give you credit though because every time I watch these movies, like today when I'm watching this, I see that scene and there's a part of me that's you know wondering what you're gonna say to make (laughs) that to make that be okay. But I'm I'm also waiting, kind of anticipating that you'll say something that'll that'll make me chuckle and say, okay, all right, whatever, fine. But most of the time, I just watch them, and, and I'm not surprised at all at, at how ridiculous they're getting and all the stuff that they're trying to do. You know, the thing that bothered me the most about this scene was not how Spencer was bouncing around the house and moving like the Flintstones video- sound effects. Yeah, it wasn't that at all. It was. The fact that this was a makeshift Nintendo commercial, and yet they had Freddy playing the game with an Atari joystick. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't Nintendo just give him <laughs> the Nintendo controller? Well, That's the part that pissed you off? Well, yes. eventually they I would, turned I his would have glove thought, into the power glove. I would have thought that the power glove part would have been right up there as, as, as possibly the worst part of it. That's surprising they didn't come out with that. <laughs> yeah. Like the Freddy power glove. That would have been the shit. So like plastic knives on it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Nate. At this point, I've already just <coughs> come to terms with the fact that once he said, "Now you're playing with power," it's like, okay, this is a Nintendo reference. They're playing a video game. This is now Nintendo shit. But Freddy's just playing on an Atari joystick. I don't understand. Well, the part that irritated me the most was the power glove part, where he started, where he continued. He locked the door and continued playing on his glove. I thought that was that really kind of irritated me and then the whole great graphics line was <laughs> troublesome great graphics. Great graphics. i hated i really didn't like that part <laughs> either but let's be clear i didn't like any of it so <laughs> <laughs> those are just like the highlight it's like a, it's like a a piece of paper and everything on it is negative and that part's highlighted you know <laughs> right i don't like that when he dies he doesn't actually die he just falls into a hole he falls down some stairs into the pits of hell or yeah. something, or like it's into that umbilical cord from. Sounds like maybe it's hell. It, did he fall into the umbilical cord he from fell, Child? Yeah, yeah, he fell, exactly. He fell inside Alice's womb, and we don't ever see him die. So technically, can we include that he died even? Yes, because as soon as he falls in the hole, the little spirit thing floats yeah. out and absorbs, absorbs into Freddy, and then Freddy's like, "Oh, it's good to be back in business." And and can we mention how fucking nonchalant everybody is? Because everybody else, Maggie and Tracy. And there was somebody else, right? There's a third person, John. John, yeah. They, he's barely a person. So there's two and a half people <laughs> watching Spencer bounce around the house. And they're like, nah, all right. Like Spencer crashes through a wall at one point, And John's like, I found him. Yeah. yeah. No one cares. It's he's totally trashed. fine. Yeah. yeah. Even Maggie is just kind of like, huh, watching him go back and forth through the hallway. Like, oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. And John even points out, is this normal? You know, that yep. sort of shit. And. I was just trying to understand, like when he was when he was crashing into the ceiling with his head, and there appeared to be nothing wrong with his head. I was like, okay, is he not taking damage because he is in the video game and dreaming, and they're just watching his body bounce around and and like this is violating so many rules about 
you know, dream and reality, and I don't understand. Yeah. Because you, at, you, at some points in the movie, the, the bodies disappear completely, and they just vanish from existence, and they reappear after they've come back out of the dream. And in this sequence, they're watching him not be injured and bounce around. It wasn't the fact that he was bouncing around that was irritating. It was the fact that there was no injury, and it wasn't consistent with what's going on some of the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, lots of shits were way out of whack because of how strong Freddy has become. <laughs> right right yeah no his power is so overwhelming especially especially in springwood um you know that's that's his epicenter right so i mean you know well i mean there's no kids left he's his he's full of soul power you know all those souls is you know he's he decided after a while i need to stop killing these kids and suck their souls in because it gives me more power right Mm -hmm. oh my god so maybe what he's doing right here is he's just like doing the whole video game thing with him and just, just toying with him, deciding whether he's going to take his soul or not. He's not sure yet, you know? Yeah. He's I... been smoking a lot of drugs, doesn't know if it's going to taint his soul gathering because drugs are bad. Well, like, <laughs> like he gets high off of Spencer's soul? He's like, oh. Yeah, maybe he does. Maybe he starts to feel a little bit funny Good and he's shit, wondering. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he's wondering if he should continue. Um, if it's going to be tainted or not due to the uh, marijuana usage. Not to mention the troublemaking soul, pipe bombs, things, you know, bad moral activity. Yep. Maybe he doesn't want to collect that soul. Maybe he wants to leave that one. So that's why he's, you know, still alive bouncing around the house. Not because they wanted to show him bouncing around the house, crashing into the ceiling, but because Freddy's debating. <laughs> did Did we just listen to Nate or Daniel just then? <laughs> what? I don't, I'm confused. Mm-hmm. I'm just helping this process. I'm helping this process along. Okay. Yeah, and he's and let's be honest, Freddy's probably bored. He's killed what hundreds and hundreds of teenagers and children from this town now. Mm -hmm. How many different ways has he tried killing them? You know, now he's all the way down to just uh, slap him in a video game. Well, Freddy says later that he beat his high score, so it makes me think he's killed people like this before. Yeah, he's coming back around on ways to kill people (laughs) now. He's doubling up and repeating himself. Uh, either way, I love how Maggie is so like calm as she watches him just tumble down into that hellhole. Yeah, it's just not even trying to help him. She could have reached out easily and just grabbed him on the way down, and she's like, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a little interaction. There's some soul absorbing. There's some tough talking from all the kids between them and Freddy Krueger. Either way, Tracy wakes up. Her and Maggie take John. Oh, no. Oh, we totally forgot. We totally forgot that John is going to go and try and get in there and help Spencer out. Right, yeah. And he's like, you have to knock me the fuck out, Tracy. That's a pretty good part. Yeah. Right? It was okay. He's like, you have to What's knock me out. What's after his stomach? The stomach thing. And he starts bouncing around, and Maggie's following him with progress. And he's like, you got to help me get in this dream so I can save him. And so she slap- he slaps her, and he- she knocks him the fuck out with a piece of wood. Yeah. It's hilarious. And so John is, he wakes up in the dream world, yeah. right? And... Tracy just teleports in because of the meditative yoga. Concentration and meditation. The the meditation treatment. Yeah, they find him. Spencer's dead, all that. That's when she does some... No, Spencer's not yet dead yet, is he? And she does the crazy, like, upward, downward, twirling kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, There's there's some talking and whatever. Either way, Spencer's dead. They all wake up. Tracy and Maggie take John's unconscious body into the van, and they take off to go to the dock. I guess. I think they're going to go find Doc, right? They're going back to the youth center for sure. Yeah. 
So they get back the you next know, day. John's having a bunch of dreams, right? This is the parachute. Yeah, he like parachutes out of the top of the van oh, yeah. with his shirt as a parachute. Yeah, because right. in John's dream, he like is falling out of, or he, he's falling through the sky. Yeah, and, and he has a little like parachute, and he pulls the parachute. His dream. Wait, we we missed the part where uh, John's back in the house that's falling. Yeah, right, and he jumps out, and you know he falls, but then he finds himself back in his bed again. He's like, "I'm there's nothing you can do to get me out of the bed." That's right. And then Freddie lights the house on fire. And he's like, "God damn it!" Yep. And so he just jumps out the window again. Yeah, he's forced to jump out at that point, and he pulls his parachute. Which is his shirt. Yeah. And his parachute, you know, he parachute pulls him in his dream. But his in the real world, his real body gets pulled out of the van <laughs> while he's driving. Straight yeah. through the top of the metal the metal. Yeah, I'm sure that van. was metal, too. This is the 90s. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So his body just gets ragdolled out of the top of the van. I'm assuming he just falls back down on the street behind the van. In the dream world, John is falling and falling. Freddy Krueger is in his parachute. They have a little one-on-one conversation as Freddy is cutting his cords. And he thinks it's okay because he, at this point he's convinced himself that he's Freddy Krueger's son. He's right. like, you're not going to kill me. Yeah. And Freddy's like, no, yeah. bitch. I'm going to fuck about you. I got a daughter. Yeah. I just used yeah. you to bring my daughter back. Yeah. So later, he clips his cord all the way and he falls and falls yeah. and falls. Cut to Freddy pushing a bed of spikes yeah. Yeah. into the street. <laughs> That's different. Blurring you know? dots. Yeah. They should have had him like kind of aiming it up, like oh, 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 a little bit too far forward, a little bit too far back. Yeah, yeah like, right. And then and then it goes back to John in the van now with a whole bunch of holes in him, like bloody well, he's stains. Out, he's in the road because he's out of the. Van. Is he in the road? Yeah, yeah they, they like stop. She's like cradling him out in the yeah. road. But he's if you gotta, watch, if you watch that scene, he falls like face down all the way. But then when he hits the spikes, he's like face up. And he takes his last few seconds to mention that it's not a boy, it's a. Yeah. Uh, what is it? What nice, is it? Nice cliffhanger. Yeah. Thanks, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we know now. It's Tracy's not John. in a hurry, too. She's like, we gotta go. <laughs> Pretty sure all of us knew it wasn't John anyways. And... <laughs> yeah, because John wasn't born in 62. Mm-hmm. So... Doesn't he pretty much know that it's her, though, and it's not him? No, they still play back and forth, whether it could be Tracy or her. Kind of for a second. Uh, yeah, we just know that it's a girl now. And, and then he teleports inside her head. To escape the town? Yeah. In order to get out of this town, he needs someone of his own blood to carry him past the nightmare spell border. And... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. There is another Skywalker. And it's Maggie. Yeah, he puts himself into her mind and she carries him past the spell border. He's out into the real world now. I also love when they they drive past the border and all the darkness shatters. Yep. So he is free... The town is free, too, I guess. The spell is broken. He's gone. So now all these crazy people with no children can get on. Yeah, the thing he, he was using kids. to keep the kids there was also keeping him there. So yeah. now that he's free, I guess everyone else is free. Yeah. Tom Arnold can go have more kids. Yeah. They can finally have a nice town fair. Yeah. Yeah. Get some babies in there. That clown <laughs> sure wants some more kids around. I know that. Yeah, he does. And so we find, what, Maggie yelling at her boss, Kelly, just trying to explain the whole situation that happened in Springwood and why Kelly's not firing her immediately, I don't understand, because she just kidnapped all these kids. Because he's like, half those on, kids didn't exist? And on her kidnap trip, a couple of them died. Yeah, but he doesn't even know who they are. He's like, who the fuck are you talking about? These people don't exist. Right. You didn't but, go anywhere. <laughs> but still, you have one of your employees who's a social worker saying that she kidnapped some kids. Yes. And on the trip, a few of them died. 
even if they were never in your record, that doesn't mean they're not real fucking kids that she kidnapped and killed. Yeah, but you, <laughs> you, you see the condition of that place. It's probably a good month that only a few died. That's probably yeah. true, especially with the arsenal that they have downstairs mm-hmm. that yeah. is very easy to break into. And, and all they have to do is just, you know, make sure that their social care statistics are better than Springwood's. Yeah, and no Let's kidding. be honest. Those caseworkers are killing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tracy, yeah, Tracy's talking to Doc, and she's like, I don't understand. They said that neither one of them existed, and but these kids are having weird dreams about Carlos, even though they don't remember him. And then Doc's like, I remember them. I remember everything. Freddy Krueger can't fuck with my dreams. Mm-hmm. He's got control. Mm-hmm. Doc's control. dream is on the little kind of dream master. Doc is the real dream master. He's the right. Dream master. <laughs> we only took a couple movies and a wrong title here and there to figure this out, but Doc is the real dream master. It's also where he explains that they like he completely erased their existence. And Maggie has gone off. She's kind of thinking that it might be her, that she might be Freddy Krueger's daughter. So she's gone to see her mom, which is her adopted mother that we Finds find out. Finds the adoption mm-hmm. papers. Right. And her mom doesn't know anything about her biological parents because they didn't. They just don't tell you that kind of thing at orphanages. No contact. <clears throat> yeah, it goes back to uh, the story of Fred and Loretta Krueger. Yeah, th- this is weird how it starts, though, because Maggie is, like, downtrodden and depressed and, like, walking in the rain. <laughs> She's like, why? What does it all mean? How does it fit together? And then she just kind of like collapses in some alley and goes to sleep. Mm. I was like, what? All the drugs. All the drugs. Yeah, she's like, this is nice. These trash bags are only mostly wet. She Mm. got into Spencer's stash. (laughs) Yeah. And she falls asleep and has the dream about the little girl. Mm -hmm. Which is her. She's a little girl. Maggie is a little girl. The little girl is her. And... (laughs) It's the sequence where Freddy Krueger's wife has seen Freddy's no-no room. <laughs> she comes out of the basement. I won't tell. Yeah. I won't tell. So you already know that that relationship is disturbing. Yeah. She's like right on board. Like, I promise. Uh, let's just keep being married and pretend like you don't kill kids. <laughs> yep. And But Freddy's not going to have it. He's pissed that she went in his secret room. So he's beating the shit out of her in the yard while little Maggie is down in like, his no-no room. He yep. tells her to go inside, and she's walking in, and then right when she's going up the stairs, the little room door opens just a little bit. She's like, oh, let me check this out. Mm-hmm. Walks in to find terror. Many a gloves. Many different kinds of gloves, too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's you know that Fred Krueger experimented with different gloves oh, before yeah. he found the one knife-scissor glove that yes. he really appreciates. It's the perfect yes. combo. Yes. Two, there's two things about Even though this movie is not that well put together... Uh, let me rephrase that. <laughs> this movie is awful. <laughs> Even though this movie is good and not great. Mm, no, you already screwed it up. Yeah, we're, we're taking the quote of Daniel saying that this movie is awful. Except um, he does the editing, so. <laughs> one, I like, there's, there's some concepts that are great in here. One, I like the idea of him having the whole town under a spell because he's become so powerful. Two, I like that he has to go and start making Elm Streets, taking advantage of Elm Streets in different cities. I like that idea as well. And three, this background where he has all these different types of gloves that he's experimented with before he settled on the one that he likes to use. Mm-hmm. I like that. And not just that he has a bunch of different gloves with different types of fingertips on them and different ways that he may or may not have tortured small children. He also has like a formaldehyde jar full of snake heads <laughs> and like different weird things that little boys and stuff would be into and little weird toys that girls would be into. He's got a bunch of little children bait. Mm-hmm. mixed in with all of his gloves 
Yeah. It's a nice dark little part. Yeah, it's kind of the only part of this movie aside from Carlos's heartbeat scene that I that I really liked was just okay, let's get into the sick twisted Freddy before he became this supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that scene when he's uh you know, killing killing his wife and then turns and like walks up all nonchalant to his daughter. That's mm-hmm. that's a great scene. Yep. You get to see him, you know, clean Robert England, clean faced, no makeup on. Just being his creepy normal self. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it's revealed that Maggie is actually Catherine Kruger. Mm-hmm. She is Kay Kruger. Kay Kruger. Catherine. Silly John. He was like, Kay? It could mean anything from Kyle to Kevin. <laughs> God damn it, John. God damn it. <laughs> you're so fucking bad at this. I'm glad you're dead. Right. So, and Freddie reveals to her, you know, because after the little girl... Uh, turns into adult Maggie wearing little girl's dress. Which was weird. Right? So Maggie, Catherine, we're talking about the same person. Um, Freddie goes ahead and tells her his plan, which is, hey, you know, I've, you've, I've used you to lure myself out of town. We're going to start hitting up all the fucking Elm Streets across the nation. Yep. We're starting this all over again. A whole new Freddie franchise mm-hmm. could be in the works. And, and then we just cut straight over to uh, Tracy dreaming, right? Yeah, well, he's like, well, to get out of the cellar. And she's like, the youth center. And he's like, yep, we're starting here. Yep. So every town has an Elm Street. The weird Elm Street street sign pops up out of nowhere next to the uh, troubled youth center. And we go to Tracy and her fucking dad. Yeah, yeah. Tracy is stuck in a nightmare where her dad is coming home to rape her. Yeah, or he molest wants, her. He wants some honey. Oh, yeah. give daddy some honey. Oh, so dark. And man, he looks fucking gross. So a little bit tall, definitely overweight. Got the typical wife beater on with Mm -hmm. all the like chest hair and stomach hair. Why is that one of the grossest things that a guy can wear? Is like to be overweight, out of shape and hairy and then have like a very dirty, worn for like two weeks straight wife beater on with large yellow stains down the side. And suspenders. Oh. I mean, they did a real good job of making him look fucking gross. Oh, yeah. And he's got the big bulbous, like, alcoholic's nose. Mm-hmm. He's got pock marks. And he's like, get daddy some honey. Yep. <laughs> Man, I don't wanna. <laughs> I don't wanna. Yeah. Yeah, the give daddy some honey purpose. Yeah. It's, a, it's so, like, again, um, sort of well done in a twisted way, but the actress that's being impacted by it isn't really... Yeah. yeah. Maybe the greatest choice, so I don't know. Right. Great choice, not the greatest. I mean, they... she's got all these abilities that, you know, we've already been through this. Like, Alice was supposedly, you know, the Dream Master, and she had karate abilities from her brother, but didn't really help. Tracy's our, our homegrown, though. She's been an aggro lesbo this mm. entire film, and it's finally paying off. Yep. She had kicks I suppose. I suppose she's got the fire inside of her, right? The fire to defend herself. She does, and she beats the shit out of her, you know, fake father with a coffee pot. Mm-hmm. I feel like the only thing could have made this scene better. She should have, after she's like, "My father's dead," she should have been like, "Cause I killed him." Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was kind of half waiting for her to say that too. Yeah. See, what would have made this more interesting is if they delved in the backstories of all these troubled kids. Yep. A little bit more, you know, because Tracy's backstory would have been awesome. Freddie's backstory, awesome. Spencer's backstory fucking weak. They could have done a lot better with that. Yeah. You know. And they could have made this complicated interplay where even though Freddy is like haunting their dreams and slowly killing them, he's also like 
brought them to this youth center away from their abusive family relationships. So he's like saving them and killing them. <laughs> right? Makes mm. Freddy a little bit more gray. But she get, she get, she get, she catches on to what's going on here. It's not her dad. It's obviously Freddy. Yeah, after she smashes his face in with a coffee pot, he looks like a claymation type face that's mm-hmm. all distorted. Mm-hmm. Some good awesome. a- good eighties feel physical effects. I was happy to have that after a bunch it's of green screen witch cackling and yeah, uh, colors leaking out of the television and all that. When they got excited that they could finally use computers for stuff, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't like that era. Uh, she 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 takes control. She's like, "Fuck you! This is my dream. You know, my dream, my rules." And he's like, "No, no, no! Your dream, my rules." Yeah, so she's in the middle of a Freddy fight. Yeah, she's got his hand pinned behind his back, and he turns his hand into, like, a propeller. Yeah. (laughs) With a a little weed whacker sound. Yeah. You know, regains control of the situation, and... Uh, She puts her arms over the stove, right, and burns herself to wake herself herself up. up. Yeah. Smart. Mm -hmm. She runs in there to see what's wrong. She's like, we gotta go see Doc right now. Right now. And Doc is is having his own experimental dream session with Freddy right now. Mm Mm-hmm. He's got him unknown to us. He's got himself hooked up to all these like alarms and triggers and <laughs> EKG patches. And well, he's a he's a real he's a real dream expert. Yes, he knows he's, how to pull himself out. Well, this brings up he's a an big experimentational question. dream expert, unlike Langenkamp, who uh, <laughs> well, I don't know, just said, "Let's give them drugs to not fall to, 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 to not dream." But yet she was a dream expert. Anyway. This brings up a good question. How many dreams can Freddy be in at the same time? Because Tracy's asleep, Freddy's there. Doc's asleep, Freddy's there. It it wasn't like Freddy woke up and then Doc fell asleep the second after. Right? Mm-hmm. He's Freddy can be in many places at once. Is that part of his powers? Like he can be in everybody's dream at the same time? Mm-hmm. He can be in many dreams. One dream, all of our dreams. He's like Jesus. <laughs> like Jesus? Can we go ahead and say Freddy is Jesus? Yes. <laughs> Freddy's our Jesus right now. <laughs> I feel like a lot of these ending dream sequences that we get are, they just make Freddy seem really pussy. Yep. Right? Because he gets beat up by Tracy, this little girl. And then he gets, he gets beat up by Maggie doc. later. The doc lays him out with a baseball bat, like just pummels into the ground. Into He's like him. in a fetal position. Yeah. I mean, Freddy has shown us when he was not nearly as powerful that he could take a beating and it wouldn't affect him at all. Mm-hmm. In a dream, he could just take everything you have, doesn't affect you one bit. Now it's just one baseball bat to the skull. Yeah. And he's knocked the fuck out. It takes him down. Or at least it pisses him off enough to have like a little diatribe about how he can't die. Yeah, he has that cool part where he starts cutting his fingers off as he's explaining how these been tried to be killed in the past. Yeah, I kind of like that part. We've got burning, uh, we've got burying, mm-hmm. and then his favorite was the middle finger "fuck you" of holy water. Right? Holy Wasn't water. burying and holy water the same movie though? Yeah, no, I say originally. No, he said they burned him. They burned him, buried him, and then holy water. Then they buried him his bones to get rid of him, mm-hmm. and then they put the holy water on. Well, I said they, they reburied him, they like dug him up. And then put holy, pour holy water on him on to the, consecrate him or whatever. Yeah. Like so then, <laughs> yeah, but they could have also included. Um, that was the hallowed ground. So we were just, yeah, yeah. That, was, yeah. that was the dog piss. Yeah. yeah. But he right. forgot. No. Well, the dog desecrated the hallowed ground. Yeah. Right. right, right. 
But he could have cut off his ring finger and his pinky finger too because he's like, oh yeah, also I had all the souls that I was eating uh, turn against me. And rip them apart. And tear me apart. And uh, uh, then my mom put me back inside of her womb. You got unbirthed. (laughs) Yeah, I got unbirthed. Unbirthed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, First he got rebirth, then he got unbirthed. Yep. Nice little Freddy Krueger reverse birth. Um, But, you know, he doesn't want to give away the farm, right? He doesn't want to say that that's possible. Right. He just wants to say what people have done to him in the normal human world. Yeah, and freak this guy out just like... The the, point is, he keeps coming Just like the devil was trying to do in The Exorcist, which is just kind of fill everyone with despair. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to fuck with everybody. So, Freddy is the devil and Jesus at the same time? Exactly. Freddy is Mano from the craft. Okay, um, let's let's get back on track here. Um, so let's be let's be realistic about the details that we have. Freddy sold his soul to three demonic presences, or those are just agents of Satan. Is that what we're saying? Well, could be. Well, as as far as what Freddy tells us in this scene, uh, Freddy was given his job by Dream People. Yeah. Dream demons. Dream demons. He, he calls said, them dream he said people. Dream people. It came and, to him in the fire. <laughs> yeah, and that's why he's eternal. They kind of cut a deal with them. You know, take my soul. All they have that authority on behalf of of Satan, or they just have that power. They're just entities that exist and have that power. Right. We don't know if they are agents of Satan or if they are ancient Egyptian. Well, I think it's obvious that dream they're demons? agents of Satan. Spirits. Okay, we can go with that. Yeah, I mean, I think all demons are agents of Satan. Yeah, they sure. Come from. Yeah, loosely, right? Don't we all work they for the devil? They get to go do their own thing, but, you know. <laughs> right. But most importantly is that he, Doc does something here that we've seen before, which is grabbing a piece of Freddy's clothing and bringing it out of the dream world into the real world mm-hmm. and making the connection that if we can get Freddy out of the dream arena into the real arena, he'll be vulnerable and we can actually kill-kill him. Mm-hmm. Actually right? kill-kill? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, not just kill, but kill, kill? Double kill. Yeah, double kill. Like, like for kill, reals. Kill. Like for reals this like, time. Like for real kill. Yep. <laughs> and he wakes up just as Maggie and Tracy come storming in. And so... His timer goes off. He's like scared half to death about what he's just seen. And then they bust in the door behind him. And he's like, oh God. Yeah, yeah they scare him extra <laughs> hard. Scare me again. And so now the plan is to take Maggie, put her under attached to a bunch of electrodes and crap that he's going to monitor. And her job is to go in there, grab all the Freddy, and then they're going to wake her up and pull him out to the real world. Well, with with cereal box 3D glasses as her weapon. Yes. Yes. But did Maggie ever explain to Doc and Tracy that she is Freddy's daughter? Because I never saw that part. Mm, It's true. So they just chose Maggie just... Whatever. I think, I think she does because she does mention that like she's the only one that could go in because Tracy's like, let me go with you. Let me go with you. I can help. And she's like, no, it's got to be me and him one-on-one. But she never explains it, No, right? not really. Not out loud in the movie. Do you need an explanation? If someone's Kinda. like, let me go fight, face this nightmare demon by myself. You stay here. I'd be like, okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. But, yeah. you know, it seems like everyone's just all involved in fighting Freddy. Like Tracy's beaten up Freddy twice now. Yep. You know, Doc just hit him with a bat. Mm-hmm. And Maggie's coming in, no fighting Freddy experience to this point, saying, oh, my turn, me she next. Give me a piece of him. Give me a piece. Let yeah. me in there. <laughs> she just has the safety net of me of being like, oh, he's not going to kill his own blood. Yeah. Except but, for his wife. Yeah. That's not his blood, though. That's right, though. That's right. There's no they blood just there. just met. Just well, a they, woman. They share a kid, but that's all. 
That's all. <laughs> yes, and Nate, you're right. Her secret weapon is a pair of 3D glasses, which in the real world mean nothing. Doc is very clear about that. It's a silly toy in the real world. But in the dream world, it could be anything. Like a thing that absorbs into your face and helps you see the truth. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's also a signal when she puts them on in the dream world for the audience to put their 3D glasses on and enjoy the rest of this film in 3D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she takes some time to get much. used to it. Yeah. Uh, Intolerate. Endure the rest of this film in 3D, yeah. She gives some time to, like, adjust, and she, like, plays with her hand. She's yeah. like, ooh. <laughs> it lets the audience know, look at all these 3D effects that would yeah. be happening if you had your glasses on. Yeah. Yep. And she's not just going into the dream world to face off against Freddy. She's going into Freddy's mind. Through in, the poster. Through the poster of the demons, the dream demons, into Freddy's mind, which, uh, you know, it, it just looks like a bunch of goopy electrodes and neurons firing and different doors that are all gooped up with weird biological material but jasmine and i kept wondering why his is the inside of his head would just be filled with child pornography right (laughs) it should be filled with death just children with no skin on screaming like you know children that are bent over the memories that are inside that special door no memories behind that door can't be shown that's exactly (laughs) Right, the MPAA just throws up. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, too much. Yeah, okay, we'll cut that. And yeah, so what she starts to do is after she floats around for a while and uh, it has a little face off with some weird purple electricity, she gets to start experiencing some of Freddy's memories. And we get to see Freddy when he's a child and when he's an adolescent and when he gets burnt. And when he's a child, it's great. <laughs> it's a great scene. Because it just shows this creepy little kid just pulled his hamster out of the cage and pet it, put it down on the table, and very slowly and methodically just pound it with a hammer. Yeah. Was he even pounding it? It seems like he just kind of crushed it with the hammer. Yeah, he just kind of let the hammer fall. He's like, I don't, I don't want it to kill it right away. So you just hear this like... <laughs> and all the kids in the class circle around him. Son of a hundred maniacs. Son yep. of a hundred maniacs. Yep, uh, the whole town knows that he's that his mother was gruesomely raped by a bunch of psychotics, so they hound him about it. Yeah, they didn't have all the confidentiality shit that we have today. That's right. Uh-huh, your mom was raped <laughs> by a hundred lunatics. And then after that, we see a slightly older Freddy, an adolescent Freddy, sitting down in his basement cutting himself, waiting for his foster dad to come home and beat him with a belt. Mm-hmm. Foster dad played by... Alice Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. So Alice Cooper's jumping franchises here because he, I mean, he was the music in uh, our previous Jason movie. He, he wants to be involved with it all, right? He he's, does. He's like horror. That is Alice Cooper. Yeah. He's like the original Rob Zombie. Yeah. 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 He's horror. He's like, I make goofy horror music. I want to be Maybe. part of this goofy horror genre and these goofy horror franchises, right? Let's see. So yeah, then Freddy, we have Freddie kills his dad, right? With the razor that he was cutting himself with? It seems like that. It seems like he's like, haha, you're, you, you beating me only fuels me. It doesn't cause me pain anymore. And then he kind of makes threatening gestures. Yeah. Do, right. we, do we count that in our body count? Mm, nah, you don't, we, you you don't, don't see, see him it. Die. He doesn't like even make a swipe at him. He just sort of points at him. Yeah, for the 3D effect? Yeah. And then... Uh, we go to Freddy... Uh, adult Fred Krueger yep. in the warehouse? Where, where is the it? The boiler room, right? 
Isn't that where their parents well, trap them? And or his house or his own his house? house. It, it looked like it was like a warehouse type thing. You know, it was like a big brick structure with windows. Yeah. That's on fire. Yeah, it's it's wherever it was that Freddie was when he got burnt by all the pissed off parents. But I mean, we, weren't we always told it was like the boiler room yeah. or something like that? Yeah. And now it's just Freddie in a warehouse with fire all around him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of forget the exact location. I'll have to go back and take a look at it. But yeah, he's pretty much, he's getting burnt alive. It's the big famous scene that, we're all, that we all know about. I'm surprised that they don't make it more grandiose right like, it should be this this should have gotten a lot more attention in the franchise yeah but you don't should even see on, anybody's faces yeah. you just see some people's legs outside of a molotov cocktail gets thrown through the window and then as freddy's burning alive the dream demons come to him and make this deal with him yeah and watching this movie i remembered a scene or i absolutely misremembered a scene like in my head, I had Roseanne Barr throwing shit and being part of the group mm-hmm. that was setting Freddy on fire, but yeah, I just made that up, I guess. <laughs> so there you, yeah, there you go. Totally misremembered a lot of this movie. Yeah, yeah, no, so did I. And after we had a chance to go and see uh, Freddy's memories, uh, we finally go back to Maggie being a little girl. Only now it's adult Maggie. She's watching Freddy kill her mom, and then they have a little. One off, a little yeah. They kind of wrestle a little bit. Wrestle a little bit. Yeah. She's like, "You killed my mom." Yeah, and she gets the upper hand and holds on to him, and then they wake her up. Tracy's ready with a weapon, like swinging, pretty much as as uh, Maggie wakes up. Except Freddie's not there. Mm -hmm. They're aware that Freddie's around somewhere. They don't know where, so they go and they hit up that arsenal that we've been hearing about this entire movie. Yeah, (laughs) and. Aside from the pipe bomb, which is already an extreme weapon, and there being just this pile of brass knuckles and random hunting knives. Awesome knives. Yeah, Tracy likes the knives. Uh, crossbows. Yeah, like the, the, the knife that you always see with like the brass knuckles built into it. Mm-hmm. Right? And the weapon that Maggie grabs, which is a fucking spiked club. <laughs> and not just like, oh, some kid took it out of his backyard and put some hammers into a bo- or put some nails into a board. It's a polished and lacquered club with like professionally integrated spikes or bolts that are like mm-hmm. 10 inches long. This thing is a gruesome medieval weapon and some kid just wandered into this youth center with it. What the fuck is going on in this place? Yeah, Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. But kudos to her because I would have grabbed that thing too. <laughs> yeah. It was a good choice. Mm-hmm. And so when they go to look for him, Maggie's like, I think I see something over in this weird little room over here. And there he is, right? Yep. Freddy Krueger in the real world. He's curled up in a ball. He's weakened. He's, he's his uh, normal self. He's not the burned self. We right. have Fred Krueger just weeping yep. and crying and, and trying to explain himself. Right? And he's saying, well, you know, look at how I was raised. You know, and, and all that stuff. Making like, excuses. Right. Mm-hmm. Freddy is really, just, just a trying pussy to in this her. scene. He's just trying to distract her because he's just trying to get a little closer to her so he can actually grab her with that glove. He doesn't want to be all far away where that club would hit him before <laughs> he would hit her. And then she tries to pull the glove out, and she's like, oh, I got it, and she swings at him. Yep, she swings at him, knocks him down, knocks his glove off of his hand. Yeah. Uh, the rest of them, Doc and Tracy, hear the tussle. They come over to help, but Freddy Krueger is climbing on the ceiling <laughs> and manages to get to the door in time and lock it so that it's just him and Maggie stuck in there. 
And so they, even in the real world, Fred Krueger has supernatural powers where he can Spider-Man himself on a ceiling. Just yeah. enough energy, yeah. He's probably all tapped out. He's running on fumes. That was his last little trick that he could pull because after that, he can barely even fight women. Yeah. They, Obviously. They, Obviously. No, I totally agree. I totally, I totally agree with Daniel. It's totally reasonable that a guy that they've brought from the dream world into the real world that is supposed to have no powers whatsoever in the real world, it is totally, totally understandable and realistic for him to have some sort of power brought with him from the dream world to reality. Yeah, just a slight sputtering. Just that's, the, that's, that's it. If they asked him to do sure. it again, he probably couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. it's, so, to- it's, so it's that complete was and like- total the last gasp of his powers was crawling on the ceiling to lock the door. Mm-hmm. It was also making himself look unburned. Actually, you know, the angle you should have taken with this, Daniel, was that in the real world, he's possessed by demons. Hmm. Well, yeah, he is also possessed by demons. That's so throughout the could entire thing. do a shout-out to the exorcist and say, well, she could climb on walls and ceilings. Why can't he? He's, they're both possessed. Oh, it'd be a vulgar display of power. <laughs> I think it's I think it's more realistic for you to work the demon possession angle than it is for you to try to change the rules about how reality and dream worlds connect to each other. No, no, oh no. wait, there are no rules. They break them every movie. No, no, <laughs> the, the ethereal tethers of the re- of the real world and the dream ethereal world. tethers. <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Thank you so much for calling him out on that. Because if you weren't going to, I was. Tethers. That's the that's the statement of the of the cast. Can we have a statement of the cast at the end? <laughs> what I was saying <laughs> is that the ethereal tethers of the real world and the dream world, they're they're not stop and go. They're not black and white. They're wishy washy, gray, vague. When you get pulled out of the dream world and the real world, there's still a, a wispy semblance. Of the power that you once had before it's completely evaporated. That's all that I mean. No, the economy is gray. Okay, when you go to work every day, your job, the rules at your job, some of those, some of those rules become gray. But life, you're either you know living or dead, asleep or awake. There's no gray. It's those ethereal tethers. Anyways, all of this boils down. <laughs> yep, yep. Let's to, just gloss over because it's all been explained by the ethereal tethers. All, all of this boils down to a ninja star throwing scene. Because she is a ninja master. Yes. Uh, you know, the arsenal of weapons. Yeah, if, ninja if, stars? I thought they were knives. I thought she both. was an expert in throwing both. knives. If this scene had oh. been Tracy doing it, I would have been able to excuse it because she's the kung fu whatever master anyway right so why not have some ninja stars good but no maggie's a fucking social worker she's never fought anyone a day in her life but fucking ninja star knife throwing master doc as a dream master could have taught her some of his dream master skills she then absorbed some of they're not in tracy the dream warriors dreams well not now no but you know there is yeah she's in real life throwing real life ninja stars throwing the knives yeah she absorbed them in real life Yeah, yeah i get it yeah, you guys are all wrong. It's because she's under a, a super <laughs> stressful situation. And I don't know if you know, people are in super stressful situations. They are able to do things that they can't normally do. Exactly. Hey, because hey, she's the stress of getting it done at the time and the moment. Look, I'm she's, all for she's her right adrenaline about kicking she's right in. About that. 
I'm all for the adrenaline thing and, <laughs> yeah, you know, like adrenaline. mom being able to lift a car off of her yeah. child and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But those those fucking ninja stars would have been going through walls 100 feet away. Like mm-hmm. her strength would have been able to push those stars through anything, including no, a brick wall. No, her accuracy and like no. precision. Accur- gets- no way. And drilling, she kicks in, and so she's like concentrating really hard because she's got to kill him. She doesn't kill him, everyone's gonna die. That's right. <clears throat> Left, there's a right life there. or death moment, adrenaline yeah. push. Yeah. Nope. That yeah. That, <laughs> that that budded <laughs> this tiny skill into okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the um, it's it's the tethers. It's the uh, you yes. know it's the connection. She's because she just came through from the dream world too, so she's still got some sputtering. She does. She has a little bit of skill from all the many hundreds of souls that Freddie has been eating. Uh-huh. Yeah, some of the tethers her. got inside of her. Or you could work the angle that she's Freddy Krueger's daughter. Yeah, and she just and... knows how to do stuff with blades. There's, you know, yeah, well, well, that I'm comes later when she's wearing the glove. There's an innate inclination there towards being adept at using weapons. Yes, sure. Because ninja, because ninja stars were used with all the little kids that Freddy was <clears throat> raping and murdering. You don't know everything. There was a lot of kids involved here. You don't know everything he did. <laughs> oh my yeah, god! We already saw at least one that was into karate stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> it could have been his. That could have been Rick's. Rick's ninja throwing skills. Oh, man. It, wouldn't that be awesome? Because we see Doc with nunchucks. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great if those were Nick's nunchucks or Rick's nunchucks? Rick, Rick's like floating head in the ether. Just use my skills wisely. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but Tracy is feeding her these weapons underneath the fence. Uh, she's just using knives, throwing stars, whatever else is coming to her to pin Freddy up against the wall. It, but it's not a wall. So it's like a part of a wall and then part of like a wooden crate. Yeah, it's against some debris. And she gets his hand stabbed against the, uh, uh, out of reach, and then she impales him with a rod. She's got his glove. And uh-huh. in this weakened state, all he can do is try to manipulate her. Like, yeah, you like that glove, don't you? Yeah, let me show you how to use it. Yeah. yeah. Come here, the papa will take you for a ride with the new glove. And That's gross. It would have been, <laughs> would have been more interesting if she had looked like she was going to sway the other way for a second mm-hmm. if she would if she had like put it on and been like yeah oh, i, yeah, like, I like this glove but she, she never a second she like looks at it flips it around she looks at him there's like two seconds where you're like what's she gonna do and then she stabs him mm-hmm. <laughs> yep he doesn't kill anyone with his glove this entire movie but he gets killed by his own glove yep she no, runs he gets up, killed by a pipe bomb yeah by a, okay technically she runs up stabs him in his stomach with his own glove and then Tracy throws her the lit, lit, Very lit. Yeah, like, hey, hurry up! Yeah, we've got a lit pipe bomb flowing, th- flying through the air. Hope you don't drop this and kick it across the room under a shelf or something. <laughs> drop it! Did you see how adept she was at throwing those knives? <laughs> That's true. I'll say she did catch she it on the first time too, like straight into her hand. Mm-hmm. Right side throw. up, fuse side up. Yep. And then she just in, she just stabs the whole pipe bomb into his chest. Yeah. This, At this point, this blunt pipe bomb she just yep. stabs it right in there, gives him a kiss on the cheek, says "Happy Father's Day" for some reason. Yep, she, Father's Day. I don't think so. No, mm-hmm. she was just doing. She, she was just doing a shine off like a, a one liner. Yep, she's using a pun. She's using one of the patented Kruger puns. Yeah, that's her Kruger blood. 
That's sweet. She can't. She can't help it. She probably didn't even happy want Father's to. Day. She's like, "Why am I still talking?" Happy Father's Day. What? It should have had bitch at the end. It yeah, should have been like happy a little, Father's Day, bitch. Yep. She gets a little bit of his skin, like on in in her lips, like oh. in her teeth. You know, like right after the Happy Father's Day part, the part we don't see is her going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a couple dry heaves, like. <laughs> oh God. And then Freddy just stares at the camera, says, kids, and explodes. Yep. Or as Jasmine's favorite part, his head explodes, and then his head explodes out of his head, and then a bunch of little tiny heads explode out of his big head. Well, then the little demons escape. They're like, oh, this one's done. Let's get out of here. Yeah. That's purely for the 3D purposes. Yes. Purely for 3D. Flying Freddy head coming straight at you. Yep. And then flying dream demons, I guess they're off to find this. Scalari brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and we, so Freddie breaks the fourth wall all the time, right? And talks to the audience, like when he said kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Maggie breaks the fourth wall and looks at us and says, Freddie's dead. Yep. Bow! Credits, death montage. Yep. Music kicks in, old school 90s. Goo Goo Dolls. Music, some, yeah. A lot of oh, Goo Goo wow. Dolls in the soundtrack. And we get a montage of all the previous deaths from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Great. Credits roll. Freddy's dead. It's over. It is over. There's no more. He's actually dead. He's actually dead. The next movie in the Freddy franchise doesn't really have to do with him technically being alive or dead. So this is it. This is for real. This is not a Jason death. This is not a previous Freddy death. This is Freddy's death. Yeah. But then how do we have more Freddy movies? We don't. We do. We have Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Right. Which takes place in reality, not even within the Freddy Krueger universe, it takes place within our universe. I think the most important thing to mention about the next installment is that, um, you know, we may have to pour a glass of cold water over Daniel's head. He may not be able to handle the return of Langenkamp. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, she comes back? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Would you like to hear um, all of the grosses of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise adjusted for inflation? Let's Ooh. do it. I have been doing this in the background while you, while you have so been you talking So you do have something to show for it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to quit the podcast in a couple of weeks. <laughs> okay. Uh, 1988. Which one is that? Number, Number four, four, right? Four. Number Was four. that four or five? Yeah. 89 so Dream, is five. So Dream Master adjusted for inflation is $96,765 million. Or ninety six million seven hundred sixty five thousand. Second place would go to the Dream Warriors at eighty nine million. Uh, third place is number two, sixty six million. What a steep drop off, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, it drops heavily. Fourth place is Freddy's Dead, sixty four million. The original, nineteen eighty four, is sixty one million. And then last place goes to um, Dream Child, or a.k.a. Travesty, uh, $42 million. So, adjusted for inflation, a lot less people went to go see Dream Child than the other ones. Three of them were around 65, 60 to 65. And then, you know, Dream Master, uh, benefiting from the success of Dream Warriors, tops the list. 
but only because of Dream Warriors, not because Dream Master was good. I want to make make that very clear. <laughs> I know a dream when I see one. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Great movie? Greatest movie. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just keep it an excellent? So you're voting for the best of all time? (laughs) Or of of the franchise? Wow, could the best of the Freddy franchise be the best movie of all time? I don't really calculate the difference between those two statements. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, meaning that, you know, the so, top seven movies of all time are all going to be Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Well, why can't you just run the first minute of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1 through the last minute of Nightmare on Elm Street 7 and count that as one movie? Yeah. That's what they and, should do. And that's the best movie of all time. <laughs> fucking, I'd fucking kill myself. <laughs> Unless it was just this movie. Because this movie was exceptional. This movie was... I could, I could go and watch this movie again. Yeah, right you now. should. Yeah. It was delicious. Robert Englund's net worth is $14 million. After all that Freddy work. And Johnny Depp, $350 million. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> wow. Because of Nightmare on Elm Street, basically. Right, guys? Pretty yeah, much. Right? Mm-hmm. It Pretty was much. Springboard. Yeah, no, without that. <laughs> no way. Seems like, seems like Johnny Depp should be cutting a check to Mr. Robert England. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's about time, Johnny. Nice thank you check. <laughs> and what? You Wow. If Wes Craven heard you just say that, he would have been like... Fuck both of you. <laughs> Walked out of the room and slammed the door. Go screw yourselves. Come on, you know this. You're just acting like you don't because you're American and you're ignorant. Well, we have to have like a heated conversation about movies because this movie doesn't have the substance to do it. <laughs> Sorry, continue with the walkthrough of this exceptional uh, movie and horror film history. 